0: long th- a long 3
1: <laughs> dude you know i like the long 3 it's yeah dude One say no two, mo- you have to have 3 or wait three. i count down 3
2: wait are you saying that you have a long 3 or <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> dude it's a long 3 it's like a 3.7 it's 7. a long 3 <laughs> 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 like Anthony Fantano, yeah, exactly. It's a strong yeah. three, yeah, yeah, long. Three. It's a strong,
0: it's a strong to Girthy to long three.
1: <laughs> 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 it's a three
0: with some meat on its bones. You know yeah, what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well Paul you were saying we were always joke about fuck Mondays but then you're like Tuesday's like double Monday Dude you fucked me up with that shit today <laughs> Yeah double Monday And Wednesday's like triple Monday
3: <laughs> oh,
1: Triple Monday it just gets worse and worse I definitely Yeah I, and I, I, I was hate, like no I hate <laughs> I, the whole week now I don't know if I, I I definitely I don't know about Wednesday but but we're for you dear listener we're re- recording this episode on a Tuesday evening uh because for various reasons, but Paul, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't. What do you, what fucking want to get in our lives, dude? Yeah, fucking back off. Nosy. To be, if you do want to get in our lives, you can subscribe to our Patreon because you get to join our <laughs> popping Discord channel.
0: Yeah, yes.
1: which is popping off. Shout outs to the Discord. Yeah. Uh, right where... now, it's kind
0: of the three body problem, but no, there's
1: like five bodies.
3: Okay. Yeah.
0: Six. No for real it's fun and it would it would
1: it would become exponentially more fun with more people. And you would learn about our personal lives a little bit because we can't help posting about them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. <laughs> We're disgusting so, modern subjects, constantly right. performing <laughs> and shaving off hair thin little slices of ourselves and psyches. That's right.
1: So Offering subscribe to the, to the Patreon, subscribe to the YouTube, go to our Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Not Facebook really, who cares? Instagram Twitter patreon now with all those YouTube. revelations great game what revelations
0: not with all that whistleblower so we oh, can't take yeah, the heat the right now the
1: whistleblower yeah. yeah whistle lady who speaking of personal lives looks like Paul's ex-girlfriend not a girlfriend
2: <laughs> <laughs> but she did I was actually like freaked out when I was driving when you sent that and I was like what she
1: is <laughs> you, really, you dude? you would be you could be forgiven for like a quick look at that picture thinking that that was her.
2: It looked so much like her. yeah. <laughs> it's really funny.
1: <laughs> oh. Very similar. Shout-outs to the Facebook whistleblower. I don't even know her name off the top of my head. Yeah. But but uh, anyway. <laughs>
0: that's not what we're here to discuss. <laughs> no, 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 it, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. This is, of course, in case you were fucking wondering. Confused. S- confused, lost. Spine Crackers. The podcast. The podcast you know and love. Um, I'm Matt. I'm Gabe. I'm Paul.
1: And, I'm Paul. Uh, we're here to talk about books, baby.
0: And in particular... <laughs> a
1: book, specifically. <laughs> a book today. And uh, that book is Gabriel's Pick. Yeah, so uh, today we are talking about uh, Exit West, which is... Uh, exit? Exit? Ex- How do you did say, I say exit? Did I say it weird? You exit. said it like exit. Exit. I say exit normally. I don't know why I said oh, exit that. if I did. You How do you know say you're... it, Matt? Exit. Exit, right?
2: Like there's a Z in there. Exit. Yeah.
1: E- yeah, exactly. Is exit right. a like a non American thing, or is even in in America do some people say it that way? Exit. We're getting in the we're getting in the
0: weeds so fast. <laughs> if there's any linguistics <laughs> podcasts. hey, <laughs> books any... have words
2: in
1: them. That's right. Books have words. Yeah. That's any... true. And
0: honestly, it's a stumper. I don't know because yeah. like that sounds more correct in a way. Well, because there uh, are yeah. a
1: lot of things that are said, and I don't mean different words like pop and soda or whatever, but just pronunciation of the same word can be very different. Yeah, like
2: people say because differently. Some people say like because. I've heard that before. Because. 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 Who says
1: that? That's a weird
2: one. Um, the guy who played Mark Zuckerberg in uh
1: Jesse Eisenberg?
2: Jesse Eisenberg. I've heard him say because in interviews, and it like stuck out to me. It was very strange.
1: Mm. How do okay. you Okay, here's one, here's one though, real quick, real quick. How do you say spider? Spider. Spider. Oh, see, you say it weird. Me? Matt does? Yeah. Spider. Wait. All right, do it again. Matt. Spider. 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 So me and Paul say it the same. We say, I, like, like, I, Spidey. like, spider, Spidey. and you say spider, like S-P-E-Y-E-D-E-R. Well, no, just how it is, because that's how you fucking <laughs> <laughs> That's big mad. Spider. <laughs> Matt's big mad. Along came no, no, a spider, uh, you, you and sat down it. beside her. Why yeah. do you think that Miss Muffet works, bitch? Oh, okay, okay, that's actually fair. But isn't that like Matt, a, Isn't that like a how like do you, British? Is that British? <laughs> I Matt, mean, uh,
2: how, do you you Matt how do you say wrong? You still
0: say spider and besider. Matt, do you say wrong? Wrong.
2: That was a. That's a, what man. you are. That yeah, was a joke
1: about that being was joke wrong. You are you're wrong. About spider. No, 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 no. But I was just, I was just pointing out that that's a. There are there are multiple. My it's wife says. Gotcha. My wife says spider. So. Well, we're well. Actually, we're all from the same region, so it. It is interesting that Matt says it differently. Anyway, we're talking about Iksit West by uh, Mohsin Hamid, which is a, his novel from uh, 2017. I think it's his most- I actually
2: have a pronunciation change because I, I l- listened to this whole book on audiobook. Oh, shit. And he pronounced his own name, Mohsin Hamid.
1: Oh, Mohsin Hamid. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Mohsin Hamid. That's helpful. Yeah.
2: Nice. Which I it wasn't until the very end he was like I'm Muslim Hamid and this is the book I read
1: oh, okay. oh did he oh, read he it he read to his you? own book That's he read it yeah how was that
2: it was good he has a great voice it's soothing he
1: does I he be- really does yeah. yeah he actually does
0: have a really nice voice <coughs> he's got that beautiful like Pakistani British mix it's nice
1: yes um so yeah Matt yeah. Matt as Matt just mentioned he's a Pakistani British. Author And British in the sense, I'm assuming that his his parents were British because he was born in, in Pakistan. Yeah. Um, uh, but his parents, I know, are also of, like, Pakistani heritage. But I'm just assuming that they were born in England and then he was born in Pakistan or something like that. Because it said Pakistani-British, but he has not really spent much time, actually, in England. He was born in Pakistan and educated in the United States, mostly. Um, huh. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming yeah, he, just... I'm assuming his parents were British.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not too sure. He's definitely got quite the, uh, quite the CV and quite the uh, pedigree. Yeah.
1: So educationally I, and all this. I, I'm glad you brought this up actually, because I wanted to talk about it before we get into the book too much, um, because I I had mixed feelings about this book in in a lot of different ways that we can get it. We'll obviously get into most of them, but when I was doing a little research on the, I, I kind of picked it. Because, I guess I should talk about that. I, I kind of picked it because, um, one, I've been, for the last couple picks at least, trying to like correct for a, a bias that we have had in our picks for a while for older texts, which is great and fine. But we have we have read, you know, I think this will be like our fourth text published since 2000 or 2010, maybe. Um, yeah, something like that. So we, we, we skew uh older and so i've been sort of trying to consciously correct for that or Um,
2: ageist but in a benjamin button type way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) was benjamin button ageist the people around (laughs) him were probably ageist
2: that metaphor sounds like it works but it doesn't (laughs) no it doesn't at all
1: (laughs) just trying to spice it up um so I I was doing some research and so that's basically why I picked it and it popped up, you know, I was just kind of starting with, you know, some of the basic places that you start when you look for good recent books, which is our various kind of publications, top 10 lists. And indeed this book was one of the top 10 books of 2017 from the New York times book review and stuff like that. And this one came up on a few. and, And so I thought we could give it a shot. Um, so that that's that's basically why I picked it, uh, and and you know it seems kind of topical and relevant and whatever whatever there's refugee crisis and you know the wake of sort of Afghanistan and blah 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 blah, uh, but I was doing some research into Hamid as as a person and Matt mentioned already he's got sort of a pretty. A uh, high class educational pedigree, I think, like a Princeton undergrad and Harvard Law School, and you know, yes, the, whole, the whole nine yards. Um, and I came across the fact that he did time working for everyone's favorite global, he- evil, hegemonic organization, McKinsey. Yeah, uh, yeah, one, one, one of the absolute most malignant. Horrible forces operating on the global uh, political, socio political landscape today, I would argue. Shout outs to Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, did, you, uh, did you catch that, Matt, when you were.
0: Yeah, the thing that caught my eye right away. Well, I mean, again, all biases right up front, right? Like, just in general, first of all, just the book and its cover. Just New York Times prestige, you know, sort of Oscar bait, but in book form. Classic thing.
1: New York Times bestseller fodder, yeah,
0: yeah. Just kind of like I, I had my uh, my hackles up a bit with that, or whatever you, whatever the turn of phrase is. My defense is up, I guess. No, I think um, hackles up. Like, hackles it's up just is like right.
2: Blue. It's just a blue
0: cover. Well, the sticker. Oh. what?
1: Pish posh, Paul. No, the font and the, the 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 dot, the starry dots.
0: Yeah, what is this? A John Green book?
2: Like. <laughs> Come, oh, come on. on. You guys are acting like you went to Princeton.
1: <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's, that's fair.
0: fair. <laughs> Except this guy did yeah. and uh, <clears throat> so they sex- heard he sucks. Well, he he was the, I just noticed that right away also like second build to his you know, career as author was brand consultant, which yes. I've never seen on another writer featured so prominently. You know, and he's like the the chief storytelling <laughs> The chief storytelling officer of like uh
1: <laughs> of himself.
0: Of like fucking uh I forget what it is. Some some brand Wolf Olin's brand consultancy firm in London and stuff. So I
1: don't know. Just uh yeah.
0: And, noticing and, these and, things. And
1: in this and in this edition of the book, he's very branded. His picture is in here like four times. Yeah. <laughs> or at least three two or three. Um Uh, Which I don't know how common that is in these sorts of new, newer, you know, like I said, we don't read a lot of books of this sort of New York Times bestseller type. So maybe that's the thing now, of course, you know, no, no, no tea, no shade. Being an author is incredibly difficult and you need to be good at branding. So he's good at it. You know, good for him. Like not, you know, to knock yourself out. He brand consultancy. He must know what he's doing a little bit, right? For sure. And and like you know, just on on the on the point of the cover, like there there just is a style, right? There just, there, there just is, like to Paul's to Paul's skepticism of our. Skepticism. I mean, it kind
2: of looks like can like there. It's like saltwater taffy candy colors to me.
1: Ooh, yeah, I could definitely see the saltwater right? taffy. Right. That like yeah. That, that the little flex. The other blue. The little um. flex of
0: the salt crystals.
1: And so, OK, anyway, we, yes. we bring all this up, or, or I bring this up, not not to, you know, preemptively, uh, you know, write the book off or anything, but to sort of contextualize where we were coming from, at least me and to some degree, Matt, going into it potentially. Um, yeah, I went
2: in cold turkey. Yeah. And I, I have issues with this book, but they're probably already different than the issues you have.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe uh, again, uh, maybe. like I said, no, nothing that I've said so far is an issue with the book, I'm just kind of like contextualizing where I was coming from, because like, I will, I will just say my uh, political leanings, you know, make me um, uh, speak, talk about getting hackles up. If I see McKinsey anywhere around someone's <laughs> name, I, I see red. Yeah. Um just be I mean just because they 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 they, they just are an evil organization. I don't want to get into it. Uh you can go you can go talk, you can go look that up and talk about it uh somewhere else on the Discord when you join our Patreon. Yeah, um, there you
2: go. Yeah. But and those of you listeners that don't know what they're talking about, I don't either. So <laughs> we can go on the on the ride together.
1: Yeah. Shout outs. Um
2: is that like is that related to the Kingsman movies or you know, like Mr. Kingsley. What are you
1: talking about? McKinsey. McKinsey. That's McKinsey. The name it. It's like a, it's a consulting firm and they, Is they, it like... they do a bunch of work for all sorts of organizations from, you know, uh, like, like, like weapons manufacturers to, you know, governments and all, all kinds of bad actors in between. Um, you know,
2: so oh I was imagining more like a like a left wing uh prager u type deal but it's not that.
1: No 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 no. No.
2: Oh I, I assumed that this that he worked that it was like a left wing organization. No.
1: Well I mean they're with. they 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 are they're politically neutral in the sense that they're a capitalist <laughs> organization and they make money off of whoever yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh, they're, they're one m- of
0: the big 3 con- consulting firms They're like you know just Who like are the other two? TV. I'm curious. I can't. I can't remember. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's like yeah.
1: Um, how but, long was his
0: stint there? Do you know?
1: Uh, let's. That's a good question. Um, it doesn't. I don't know how long he was actually there. I mean, okay. One thing that I will say that I thought was kind of kind of based about his background was that he gets a law degree from Harvard Law School and apparently just decided that doing law is fucking boring and just quit. Yeah. (laughs) Which is pretty based. And then he, that's Chad, you know, the, the, the the generous way of reading it is then he then goes to McKinsey who apparently in his contract or something allotted him three months out of the year to just work on his writing. And so he just got fucking paid presumably out the ass and only had to work seven or wait, what's 12 minus three, nine, uh, nine months out of the year. Which is pretty epic yeah
0: he basically paid off his student loans and then uh also yeah got this sweet like kind of summer what a summer's off kind of deal to write and yeah, write almost like an by.
1: academic appointment
0: yeah very very so, nice
1: deal which to be which you know that's actually pretty epic,
0: yeah who knows if
2: anyone was in that situation if you know maybe they maybe he had issues with the company too, but he just of course was like I can work in my writing we yeah, I feel like he, yeah. Well, I think he must. I, I
0: I think he must. I,
1: I I mean, definitely, just like given the content of this book, I can't yeah. imagine that he supports everything McKinsey does.
0: No, yeah, like you know, whatever he did to get paid with his prestigious education and and all that, uh, you know, how the the some of the misgivings I have about what I think he. Believes about like human beings and blah 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 is just of a different order than, you know, being associated with a a an evil consulting firm.
1: Yeah, and and you know, I, I'll I'll give a, a slight spoiler alert here, because one of the other reasons that I bring this up at the beginning is, uh, is because in a lot of ways, you know, because I was thinking, okay, this is just going to be like a cynical kind of like. um you know, uh, clout grab, and I'm going to write a story about refugees, and everyone's going to love it, and and blah, 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 uh, from someone who, you know, worked for a firm that does horrible shit around the world, and probably contribu- contributes yeah. to that crisis. Yeah, exactly. Um But, you know, spoiler alert, the book won me over in a lot of ways to, to not, to kind of overcome that bias that I had coming in. So, We'll, we'll we'll talk about that not not in all ways but in a number of them uh and we'll we'll talk about all that stuff uh in the episode probably to come. like <laughs> probably like four hours from now <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah we'll get to it
0: um so do you want to do like a broad strokes i guess yeah uh, yeah like
2: first gabe why did you read why did you choose this book
1: I, I said that already. <laughs> yeah, don't don't run it back. We just spent twenty minutes on it. <laughs> hey, listen, a, a Cliverly Sergeant video on this book would be over already. That's so, true. Yes. So you get you get you you get more bang for your buck. We're uh, not right even wearing leather jackets. Podcast, yeah. Ridge, Ridge wallet, bloodless idealism. <laughs> Fucking catch you later. Get the coffee. Yeah. 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 The, really his actual discussion of the book would be over at like twelve minutes, but there'd be six more of him uh, doing his <laughs> coffee sh- fucking ridge wallet NFT. Yeah. 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 Um. All right. Anyway, so the book is um about <laughs>
2: soaking his ridge wallet in coffee and blood
1: <laughs> and having sex with it. Just dunking
2: it, rubbing on his private area. sex
1: and death, dude. Sex, death, and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so so the book follows uh two characters and i believe they're they're the only two uh named characters in the entire novel um yes. i don't think anyone else gets a name um saeed and nadia is that how he's, he pronounces them when he reads it paul he, he pronounces nadia
2: nadia but he pronounces Said as saeed Said. Yeah, like okay. said. Said. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, it's like
1: Pro- said. Like sayed. I said. Said. Okay. Yeah. Said. Um. And um, they are you know young. Um, I forget exactly how young. I don't know if they're given specific ages. Like like twenty somethings, I think is is uh, presumed. Um, yeah. Who are kind of taking night classes and living and and working in an unnamed uh middle eastern city um and uh they meet at a night course they are taking i believe on on is it on branding is, is it on, on business brand branding? consulting Brands yeah consulting, or something yeah. Yeah. yeah um which uh, you know who knows what there is to be right where you that. know right exactly yeah right <laughs> where you know exactly um and they yeah. uh they
2: met at Unir- university of phoenix basically <laughs>
1: University of Phoenix is all online, man. No in-person University of Phoenix classes as far as I know.
2: Oh, that's true. I did a report on them in in college. Did you? And I forgot. Yeah, I did. (laughs) I had to do a 10-page paper and a a, uh, presentation.
1: Uh, I mean, uh, relevant in the sense that, no offense to any of our listeners, University of Phoenix uh, up there with McKinsey for one of the most evil organizations in the contemporary world. Uh, see that yes. I don't know about all all online for profit universities. I would put in, I would put in that category. I T T um, Tech. Yes, all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Southern New Hampshire University or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um. They just take their they just
2: take tuition money and put it into marketing, and they have great commercials. And that's yeah. like The majority of what where their tuition money goes.
1: That's I see. That would be. And they're like, that's a can. That's a can of worms. Yeah. But um, so Patreon anyway, only. <laughs> they, yeah, Patreon only, exactly. Discord, <laughs> Discord only. Um, yes. So they meet in this night class and, you know, uh, they, they essentially engage in this courtship. Uh, obviously, this is a um, deeply uh, Islamic culture and there's all sorts of rules about women being alone and with men and so on and so forth. And so they have to do a lot of song and dance in order to meet up with each other and see each other. Um, and they sort of engage in this process and, and in the background, there's this kind of, um, you know, civil unrest happening where a militant, um, hyper, hyper religious group is essentially slowly starting to kind of encroach into their city. Uh, and there are kind of escalating military conflicts that happen in and around their places of business and their homes, um, and you know we we do uh, meet uh, at least we meet s- s- seeds seed said said,
2: um, said s- like, uh, s- like Marquis Sade,
1: like... but said, said like right, I'm <laughs> just gonna <laughs> say it, that I'm just gonna <laughs> <say laughs> mispronounce that. that to get this right yeah exactly yeah. like he um, said
2: something to me
1: okay yeah <laughs> so uh, so we do meet Said's family um, I don't think we actually meet Nadia's family although we do hear about them. Uh, a few times is that right as far as you Yeah, remember? we just get
0: her like sort of a, a, a like a re, like a one paragraph rundown of like why her relationship with her family fell apart and right. why she's more like independent. Yes,
1: and so she's kind of living on her own as a young woman in this context which is, you know, frowned upon and you know variously persecuted and so on and so forth. Um Said is sort of more uh uh traditionally, you know, inclined and that plays out in the rest of the book I think in a really interesting way the way they kind of go down those paths. Um, but he's still young and he's kind of you know they, they smoke weed together and do mushrooms at one point early on in the book and, and so on and so forth. so we're not we're not talking about um, you know ex- sort of extreme fundamentalist people here and I think that's meant to contrast with the people who are kind of encroaching and, and militarily taking over the city. Um, so this is all going on. And ultimately, the, the militants, it, which is the way they're referred to, I think, in the text, um, <clears throat> they essentially take control of the city uh, and things start to deteriorate lockdowns and, and sort of um, extrajudicial killings and so on and so forth. And there start to be these rumors circulating around about. Um, doors, we, we don't really get much more than that. There are just these doors that sort of appear seemingly at random, um, that if you walk through them, you're transported to essentially a random location, uh, in the world. Um, that is not where you are. It's, it's, it's consistent in the sense that if two people go through the same door, they will wind up in the same place, but any given door will take you somewhere random. Um, so it's, so, so yeah. Uh, and so there's that kind of,
0: there's Harry this Potter Harry <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, I was going to say Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, yeah. Monsters yeah. Inc. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But so there's this like magical realist element to the narrative. Right. Which I know it's like a vanishing cabinet, but the, it's a door. Yeah. Exa- yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and of course, the dark tower. Yeah. And so these doors uh, sort of become a, a means of potential escape. Ultimately, there's a lot we can talk about. I'm I'm moving fast. They ultimately go through one together, and um, they wind up originally on the Greek island of Mykonos, uh, and they stay there for a little while, and shit happens, and then they move to (laughs) – they go through another door, and they wind up in um, London, and shit happens, and they go through another one, and they wind up in um, a a, a town – which I didn't bother to look if this is a real town, but in the book it's called Marin. Is that right?
0: Marin County, yeah, is that right? Yeah, Marin Marin. Okay. Marin, yeah, yeah,
1: in California, outside of San Francisco, yeah. and yes. um that's sort of where they wind up. and uh, it, it you know, they kind of it's sort of a description of their their lives and their relationship through this process. and that's that's the that's the book. yeah, yeah. the through line is obviously
0: and and and, you know, Hamid makes certain of this, like the two named characters. It's, a, it's like a love story, or it's like a, not a love story, it's a, a story about a relationship that begins and ends. Yes, basically. right. So it's yeah. like, uh, that's, that's the kind of backbone, I guess, through which he tries to uh, discuss a bunch of different things. And um, I, the other thing that I would
1: just note is that while the story, and I think this is one thing that Hamid does really well, is that that we have two named characters? The story follows them m- for the most part. There are these kind of like little vignettes that he throws in about other stories of people in you know various <clears throat> far flung places of the world and sort of their encounter with these doors and with um, you know the 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 sort of concept of of refugee. Um, refugee-ism, Is that a word? What, what am I trying to say? Yeah, here? I, I, I no think idea. that is a word actually. Um, if it is, is then, it? then I, I, I'm refugeeism. using it. Um,
2: I think I've geez. heard it on Fox news.
1: <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's <laughs> probably right. <laughs> yeah. That was delivered that punchline by getting eaten the mic. I like that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, uh, and, and, uh, so there are other, you know, significant stories yeah. peppered throughout that's the book. Uh, but I, and I don't know how you all felt about this, but they, they, um, Said and Nadia, they are the main characters, but in a lot of ways to me, they don't feel like, like the main characters in a good way. Like they are a, a sort of, um. I, I don't want to, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this. I don't want to say they're a conduit because it's not like they're underdeveloped or something for Hamid to make a political point. I'm not trying to say that at all, but like. It's clear throughout the story that, that they are fitting into something bigger that's going on, I guess, if that makes sense.
0: They're the small protagonists. Yes. <laughs> the, you know, yes. something like that. Yeah, I, I think for, right off the bat, like, why do you think he... Well, I, I ha, you know, I think he was trying to create a, a sense of... Or, or the ability for everyone to kind of identify... And, and bring their own subjective experiences to it or whatever. But like, did you feel there was a necessity to not name where they're from, but have it be sort of vaguely recognizable as Middle Eastern with uh you know this fundamentalist sort of I don't know threat around the edges and stuff? Like, why not say what or where it was? Is that just too loaded, or <coughs> what's he doing? I th- I actually like that decision on
2: his part because it opens it up and it it can become more abstract for people that don't that aren't from that region and and less personal for people that are from that region or or even more personal for people that are from a city mm-hmm. like that um yeah so I actually I like that uh the non naming of
1: Yeah I I agree I definitely I, liked the choice and I think I'm not saying you didn't Matt, but I think it's a good question because I think you know, a lot of what Paul said, it's it's it, it, it you're able to abstract a little bit more. And also, I just think like, you know, it kind of shields the book a little bit from the accusation of being like too explicitly political or something in the sense that it's like, you know, because you can just you know, if you if if you're writing a book about a specific city in a specific place, inevitably, you are going to become embroiled a little bit in the specific details of that specific place, right? Like a militant takeover of, um, you know, Beirut is going to be different than a militant takeover of Islamabad, is going to be different than a militant takeover of Kabul, is going to be different than a militant takeover of, you know, uh, uh, you know whatever. Um, and so I think, like, it, it's a way of kind of avoiding what are essentially irrelevant kind of parochial details to the, po- to the stories he's trying to tell and the points he's trying to make. I also, just to keep going,
2: I got, there was a point in the book later in the book where they're, yeah, I think they're in London and they, um they're in a house full of mostly Nigerians. And I remember, um, yeah, I remember just like, you know, hearing because I listen to an audiobook because I'm a loser. <laughs> I remember hearing Nigerian and being like, "Oh, I'm thinking of Nigerians now," and what my idea of what a Nigerian refugee is, which is still vague. Um, but because Sayed and Nadia were were not named, th- that became more abstract for me, and I was just thinking like they could, you know, it actually made me think of them more as individuals, which maybe maybe was the main takeaway. Like you're. You know the refugees, they you know that you know their country is under attack or whatever and they had to escape, but I think he wanted to focus on the relationship and their characterizations which to I get think across uh, the Westerners. I,
1: I actually think on that point, last name and then and I'm gonna let you finish, Matt, Kanye West style. Yeah. But yeah. but on that exact point, I think that at first I was like, okay, why is he naming where the other refugees are from but not where Say and Nadia are from and I wonder if that reaction that you had when he starts talking about the Nigerian refugees <clears throat> wasn't intentional on Hamid's part to kind of illustrate this this um, reaction that we have where, as you said, like, oh Nigerian refugees, something pops up in my head. Uh, but it's not particularly well defined. It's not and, and then of course, you start to kind of um, homogenize and reduce and so on and so forth. And so I wonder if that wasn't an intentional decision to kind of say, like, you know, look, once once you put a country, once you put a place of origin to a person, you are, at least in, in the mind of your sort of typical Westerner, you're going to get an image in your head. You just are, whether you want well, to or not, right?
2: Yeah, let me, Mac, you can go and then I'll make a point about that. I'll write it down.
0: No, no, go right now
1: while it's still hot, fresh. I
2: was going to say that, like. It makes me think of uh like subconscious bias racism in a book form Because this clearly t- to me like defined that idea as possibly being real for sure just just in those in what we're talking about right now, like yeah, yes,
1: yeah, it is you know it's uh yeah,
2: but uh, Gabe, are you uh, saying that it wasn't intentional or was
1: no, I'm saying I think it probably was intentional,
2: oh, okay
0: cause that part of the book in particular, that's sort of at the back half. And, uh, then they're starting to get into, I mean, at that point, the sort of, uh, magical device of these, these doors that teleport you all over the world is starting to really like take effect. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think once he starts naming names, like place names and countries, it's exactly that. It's like you create a, uh, a loose association in your head, uh, if you're there, from there or not, and the action of the book is mirroring potentially that, where the Nigerians are grouping and and everyone's grouping together, and and Sade is is seeking uh, people from where he's from, and you know um, that process is taking hold as they're under siege from what uh,
1: Hamid just calls the nativists. You I, know, well, I think he just he, I think he calls at, at the beginning he uh, of that section because eventually the the people of London kind of split Become into a couple of groups too, right? But he, at one point, and I think this was yeah. a really smart word choice, he just calls them the natives.
0: Yeah. The natives, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right, I, I didn't really pick up on that, but that is good. And and I think one of, but I, I think one of the um, the trickinesses of, of t- that tactic and, like, not saying where say and Nadia are from and uh, trying to keep things vague so that they can be more uh, capacious for for personal meanings that you bring to it is that in a lot of like kind of what humanist v- vague ways you do lose that particularity which is like kind of the essence a lot of the time of the crisis and that that was one of those things that like you know at times it was like really elegantly put and i i felt a, a very like deep warm humanist warmth you know coming from the book at, at Hamid's effort but at the same time I was also like occasionally I felt like he was uh, he he was abstracting to the degree where it was just like you know in this house we believe women's rights you know I mean like just like that kind of like stuff that kind of uh, vibe started to creep in every now and again
1: and I do think you know it's it is worth saying that you know despite all of the kind of benefits that we think there might be to that. There is a kind of cynical read which I think you're hinting at, Matt, which is sort of like always the uh the like you know western liberated woman doing mushrooms and living on her own and and so on, and so on reading this book and being like, "Oh my god, look, refugees, they're just like us." And kind yeah. of trying to trying to elicit that reaction via the abstraction from particularities of place and and, and time. Um, and I think that that's a really fucking razor thin, uh, yeah. uh, like line to walk. And, you know, we can talk about how well Hamid does it here. And I think probably he veers back and forth across it at various points.
2: It's as thin as a New York Times uh, book review face mask. <laughs> Yes. Was this? Was, was this? You just put it out and wash it off. Five minutes later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, was this? Was this when? Uh, when did Trump do the like travel ban, or the, not the travel ban because that's COVID wording, but like the uh, the Muslim travel ban?
2: That was probably like six months in. So like t- two thousand. That was
1: early on, I think. So. Let's so look. it was probably so still, still twenty sixteen. Yeah.
2: So assuming that he wasn't writing this book uh like or assuming he was writing it in 2016
1: i think so he must have been um let's see
0: i mean it's tough like the the issue of just refugees and people fleeing and migrating and all this kind of stuff is
1: so i i I don't know i i'm sorry just just because i found it i don't know when this book came out exactly in 2017 but the the Muslim ban, so you know, was signed in January of 2017.
0: So, right, just maybe, just a like one of those sick coincidences. But you know, obviously, like you can read the room, you know, globally speaking, and be like, okay, like this, you know, like I was, I guess, just vaguely hinting at like a uh, a good books about the issue of like refugees or not the issue necessarily, but just like the the fact of it. I, I do want, like, I am. I it's like one of those things that needs to be talked about and not just like academically or whatever.
1: Right? Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the other <clears throat> dimensions of that that razor line, right? Where how do we balance? And I guess this is what I was trying to say earlier, inelegantly, but how do you balance the important realities? of particularities of place and context without getting into a fucking, you know, 800 page historical document (laughs) about, you know, the Israeli Palestinian conflict or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's funny. Cause there's a place for, for, for that academic stuff for sure. And there's a place not for it. And, you know, Hamid falls squarely on the not academic side of that line. Um, but where that line exactly is, I think is really an interesting question.
2: That's funny. You use the word particularities. Cause I was just going to ask you guys if, if, I mean, I think you're already getting at it, but like, do you think this book greatly suffers from lack of particularities? And also, I mean, do you think it suffers from the main magical realist element of the novel being like, Just an escape hatch door that's magical that can get you to a different location to continue the story, but I mean, I think that the lack of the descriptions about escaping and how you would escape and how um, how to immigrate and you know run away from the conflict that seems to be like uh, probably one of the main juicy. Aspects of of a story like that, so I was right. actually really confused about about that choice to just have it like an open door where you're magically in a new place. I I don't totally understand that choice storytelling wise.
0: Well i I listened to uh I listened to a couple talks he gave about it and whatever, and so he has a reason. Like he and it, it falls in line with some of the other stuff we've been talking about, which is just not. Creating those um, particularities, I guess, that would cause you to think yourself as different from other people. That was his rationale. That he was saying. I was listening to some. He's talking to like his like the requisite like politics and prose, you know, like uh, discussion of the book, and uh, he was just saying like all of that like kind of trauma, like. fucking floating on a rubber raft to like across the ocean to like land starving on the shore like having like it's a like, done
2: too many times too maybe or just yeah like- having
0: some like uh, yeah shady coyote you know smuggler guy like you know take you through tunnels under the desert out into like you know on, onto the Texan border and all this kind of shit it's like his his rationale was that all of that kind of like drama that is kind of juicy for like a story. Uh, yeah. With those doors, his his thing was he was kind of like actively trying to uh, just completely excise that that part of the narrative and just be like, which I actually,
2: I mean, I don't know if I totally agree with the execution of of the book, and but I I actually kind of like that as like a a motive for storytelling in a way, like I because it does it did make me think more humanistically about the characters and. I think a story that dives too deep into that can you make you think about certain ethnic groups as only being people that are trying to escape or something.
0: And the, like, and the doors serve the doors like there, the, you need this sort of, I, I, th- I kind of have a problem with it. I, I don't, I don't see why you couldn't have this uh, empathetic account that includes what is arguably, you know, some of the most important parts of, the process of being a refugee, you know what I mean? Like the trouble with getting from point A to point B is a huge problem, you know what I mean? And like, or is like, what's at issue a lot of the time with the, with the process itself. But I, so like, I get what he's saying, but he also needs the doors to be magical and like, just teleport you places like Harry Potter because, uh, um, he needs to ultimately get to the sort of conclusion where everyone's everywhere which is kind of also his point, and he can't do that if it's a regular, if it's just normal, you know, escaping.
1: The process would take a lot longer and be. Yeah, I mean, I think like. But also,
0: it could have
2: taken like a couple, like a few more pages to just explain how they got to a different city. I, I couldn't. It could have. I don't know. I, I think in I general, I feel. I don't like know the, about that. I think in. I mean, it might have been like less believable or something going from like London to San, like an area around San Francisco. I guess, but I, I still, I think it was a misuse of, of magical realism
1: overall. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you brought it up, Paul, because this was, uh, the Doors, <clears throat> for me, excuse me, were, um, I, I had a lot of tension with the Doors, both <laughs> politically in terms of how to interpret the book and literarily in terms of the way they're used because so so literally, just to start, like I, I, I liked the, the concept and the sort of like magical realism element. I almost wish he had played it up even more. Like I mm-hmm. almost yeah. wish I almost wish it had been an even greater force in the narrative and sort of yeah. gone into an even more detail. Um, Definitely. It, it, it almost feels like he didn't fully commit to it in a way uh, because like, you could almost it, read by it. It's such a yeah honestly yeah you it's can such read a right it's, by it. it's such a fantastical like weird element that I I you know I, like I had read a bit of a summary or some reviews of the book before I started reading it and I was like oh this is gonna be like the center point of the book these doors and it very much isn't um,
0: it's a and, lot of people's beef with the book too
1: what that that point
0: a lot of the like sort of. I loved this, but or I hated this, kind of hinged on 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 that. Yeah, path, pun intended.
2: Well, I think it's easy at this point to relate, uh, You know, Murakami and Magical Realism, and I think that yeah. um, Murakami goes into the particulars. You know, they still end up being vague, and you end up like, what was this book about? But at least they're like specific, and they
0: he's making spaghetti and he's going to the bathroom and, you know, he's drinking a glass of water. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: And this (laughs) door looks like a spaghetti door. And, you know, yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that I just had issues with. It's like, why? So can only the refugees use the doors for one thing? No, no. No,
1: No, because there is a a moment in the book and I thought this was really interesting in the sense that uh, it was one of those it was one of those brief glimpses into like, how would this actually play out? Like, what are these doors, you know, give me more doors. I almost like wanted, I, I kind of wanted them to take even more of a center stage because there's a moment in the book where I think they're in London and the militants actually start using the doors to go oh, into, to go into London and do terrorist attacks and then leave to try to turn public opinion against the refugees uh, to try to prevent more people from leaving essentially. Uh, or to make it harder for them to to stay uh, in the places that they wind up, and I, yeah. I, I sort so so he explores a, in a couple brief it's it's literally like a paragraph or two, um, brief ways the the some of the implications or how the sort of like logistics of these doors might actually play out, and as you say Matt, by the end of the book they've kind of spread worldwide, um, but I guess just as a literary device I. I I don't know. I felt like I wanted more of it if if you're going to go there. Like I wanted more commitment.
0: Yeah, I I agree cuz like Paul said you could you could just sort of almost forget that that was a part yes. of it. Even though it's kind of emphasized for decent chunks of the book and there and you're like yeah, there's these the first scene in which a door I think was technically being used was uh you know, it intentionally meant to look like a break in. I think. Yeah. With like a, uh, you know, Whoa. <laughs> uh
1: Shout but, out to um, my neighbors.
0: Oh, it's their dog. So many dogs around you. Uh. But yeah, I I, I did just uh. I wanted more. You know. And
1: and and a few scenes at the beginning, I, I, they were so tantalizing, right? Where you you see predictably that these doors become politicized, they become capitalized, right? There are there are you know if someone finds a door, they instantly like hire security guards and like they right they're go- selling go- tickets, you know, selling tickets exactly, yeah. And it's this big clandestine production for them to actually get through the door. Um. And those were some of the parts of the book just just from like a, just like a, maybe like a dumb spy novel perspective or something like that. I was (laughs) like, this is juicy. I like this. And I kind of wanted that to be played up a little bit more um, than I feel like it was.
0: The other thing, um, again, this is, I don't know how I feel about this, but I, 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 in that talk I was listening to him give, you know, it's almost like black mirror level symbolism, but like. The door is a black, a black, uh, I don't know, opening portal. It's rectangular, and he he legit was like thinking of like phones, because like there is one of his points, and again, this is a sort of like tech tech fetish, fucking TED talk kind of, I don't know, um, opinion to have about technology, but like it's the the weirdness of it's like you know erasing space and time and then also it's like liberatory potential as like uh something that th- that erases borders and ceases to create these uh, artificial differences or something
1: and it, it, because earlier on in the book that is the phone that's interesting that you bring that up because earlier on in the book the the phone is kind of the the way Sade and, and Nadia are able to communicate kind of like free of you know the, the various restrictions that are placed on their activity even even in their their city even before the uh, militant takeover. Um, yeah so I think it fits it fits symbolically with that kind of uh, concern.
0: They're like your average millennials, you know right they're, they're always on their dang phone. Always on their uh, dang
1: phone sending nudes. I don't think
0: they send nudes, but <laughs> Yeah, just ankle pictures and stuff. Oh uh, no. yeah. <laughs> Unlike some of Ankle <laughs> pictures. Oh my god. But yeah, so I don't know. There I I think there's a bit of like this uh reification of technology or something going on a bit where it's like this will force the issue Our, the internet will force the issue that we're actually all uh, you know human beings goddammit, it you know not not different
1: but 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 i i mean i will say just to push back a little bit on that i do think you're you're totally right about the phone thing but uh the he also has a a, a like a fixation on drones and sort of like what's going on above us Mm -hmm. with technology and and there's a lot of like what i thought were really kind of nice not not nice in the sense of like good but well-written descriptions of sort of like the, the the drones and the planes and everything sort of going overhead and that constant feeling of being like surveilled and also just like enmeshed in a net yeah you know from these Which does sorts. make me so so think. So I, I, I guess I just I, I only mean to push back in the sense that I don't think the book is like entirely like techno utopian in any sort of way, like with respect yeah. to phones or whatever.
0: Yeah,
2: I was going to say that in a way that his descriptions of the drones and like the fear aspect that they give everyone is a little bit of a pushback to his time as as a Kingsman.
1: Right? criticism. I love that description. Can we just start <laughs> calling anyone that's worked for McKinsey a Kingsman? A Kingsman? <laughs>
0: right. And the, and and the meaning of something like a drone is a very different significance if you're sort of vaguely talking about the Middle East.
1: Right. Right, I mean, because they're they're both they they are both there to collect information the same way they do everywhere, but there's also always the perpetual threat of an actual Military strike, like with the fucking bomb.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Matt, would you say that in the interviews? It, was it like, uh, was he trying to, like, get, get across the immediacy of phone usage in, in his storytelling? Was, was
0: that the point? Like, uh, I don't know what the immediacy, just that it was, uh, just that it was space erasing. I think that was, like, the big emphasis. Like, When they look at it, they're there getting their news and like discussing each other, you know, things with each other and and being connected and just the sort of phenomenological shit of like it creating this sense that uh, there actually is no barriers between us or something like that. Just for the phone specifically to like move that idea forward. And it's complicated with other technology. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, in the interview, he explicitly was like, and now we have these new black rectangles that actually erase space and like the doors. And then he connected the two.
2: It the does talk. remind me of that of that scene where Nadia like sees herself on her phone in a news. I, that uh, was a great picture. scene. That was yeah. one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, And she describes it as being like she's not sure if she's looking at herself from the like it felt like she was looking at herself from the past or possibly looking at herself from the future. I, she said that it's like, very
0: cosmopolis, huh?
1: it kind of is. Yeah. I actually have I actually have that uh that's that that section highlighted if you want me to read it. I
0: want you to read us a little bit.
1: All right. What would
2: cosmos cosmopolis be called if it was based in England?
1: Cosmopolis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just have to say it like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um okay. So this is on page 157 to 158. Uh uh A thriving trade in electricity was underway in dark London, run by those who lived in pockets with power. And Sayed and Nadia were able to recharge their phone from time to time, and if they walked at the edges of their locality, they could pick up a strong signal. And so, like many others, they caught up with the world in this way. And once, as Nadia sat on the steps of a building, reading the news on her phone across the street from a detachment of troops and a tank she thought she saw online, a photograph of herself sitting on the steps of a building reading reading the news on her phone across the street from a detachment of troops and a tank. I love the repetition there. And she was startled and wondered how this could be, how she could both read this news and be this news, and how the newspaper could have published this image of her instantaneously. And she looked about for a photographer, and she had the bizarre feeling of time bending all around her, as though she was from the past reading about the future, or from the future reading about the past. And she almost felt... That if she got up and walked home at this moment, there would be two Nadias. That she would split into two Nadias. And one would stay on the steps reading, and one would walk home. And two different lives would unfold for these two different selves. And she thought she was losing her balance or possibly her mind. And then she zoomed in on the image and saw that the woman in the black robe reading the news on her phone was actually not her at all. And that was a great scene. And also uh, interesting because that's not how most of this book is written at all, that was all one sentence. Um, and yeah. uh, sort of a departure in style from a lot of the, the rest of the book, which is very sort of clear and sort of concise sentences. And so I thought that was sort of effective there in, in sort of kind of conveying the, the mental experience of that.
2: But I think um, a, lot, a lot like the magical realism and the doors in general, like, I actually wanted more of that type of writing i wanted more just like maybe jolts of i don't even know just like a difference to the writing maybe and a difference to the storytelling maybe like try to capture more of the more more of just something like untraceable like the doors are in the writing style maybe cuz that's what that that's what that passage did for me it was it it brought in the sense of weirdness that I felt like I was supposed to feel from the doors that I wasn't really feeling.
1: There is an interesting juxtaposition, I think, Paul, between the style and, and yeah, maybe that's part of my issue with the doors as a literary device too, is that the <clears throat> it's all very weird and it would produce very weird experiences, but the writing is so, so straightforward, you know, generally speaking.
2: I mean, the writing's like a warm blanket in general.
1: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, say. yeah. It is. Yeah, 100%. Like the dude knows how to bring you in and 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 yeah, wrap you in a warm blanket.
2: Yeah, even from the very beginning, like the first I think maybe the whole chapter is about Sade's parents and their relationship. Um this mother. Yeah, and like their sexual uh and like how they met <laughs> and like their how they have sex and how they like kind of went through waves of having sex and I don't know, it felt very personal and warm uh, and, and right off the bat I was like, okay, I'm going to like this book solely from the writing style standpoint but um, that isn't everything and I think, yeah, like what we're talking about is just like correct, like it it needed, it needed, it needed something more than just that, the style that's like kind of
0: throughout the whole thing. It needed jolts and jabs. Someone someone pointed out some other people pointed out this, uh, but in that opening part, why why was uh why was there such an emphasis on like the how the parents were fucking do you think?
2: I, I thought that related uh, to us thinking about Saeed and or Said and Nadia. Um I thought it was more just about like generation generationally thinking about different peoples or i, I don't know
1: well it, it's i mean in inter- terms of like a, the
2: actual fucking i don't i don't know
1: it's an interesting <laughs> contrast because of course like sexuality is a big kind of component of said and nadia's relationship but they never actually have sex right but do they well at a, couple, the end, like
0: a couple times oh
1: i guess at the end they do yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah throughout it's a it's a sort of point of both excitement and tension for both of them. And maybe it was kind of introduced as kind of a counterpoint to the way that they interact throughout the rest of the book. I, I'm or, not sure.
2: Or maybe to just like right off the bat normalize um Middle Eastern people for Western readers. Yeah. And be like, That's oh my... this is how my this is how my parents yeah. could have fucked too and this is how they did fuck.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I she saw likes that. getting she, okay so she oh they like getting hit hit from behind as well okay yeah yeah they're just like us they're just like us wow Wow. humans
2: are generally the
0: same yeah wow (laughs) Wow. it's
1: really working on me now i realize well i mean one of the other uh points that i wanted to bring up to to bring it back a little bit to the phone thing uh before i forget and before we maybe move on too far is that one of the things and this does relate I think to to Said's family <clears throat> is that in a lot of ways you know the door and I wonder if this belies Hamid's own understanding of the, of the the direct kind of relationship between phones and these doors is that Said after going through the door his character arc in the course of, over the course of the book actually kind of brings him closer to his particular place of origin. He becomes more yeah. religiously devout. He prays more often. He kind of longs for his uh you know, as we find out in the book, dead family. Uh his mo- his mother dies violently before they leave. Um but his his father dies much later and I I don't know if he ever actually finds that out concretely, but it is told to us the reader in the book. Yep. Yeah. Um pneumonia. Yes. And it, he sort of goes through this portal to the world that erases distance or whatever, but it actually fortifies his feelings of, uh, uh, you know, place, place, placidness, I suppose. And he kind of c- sort of moves continually closer to where he came from. Nadia has a bit of a different experience. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily an opposite one, but, but, but a different one. Um, and so I think that that's like – I don't know if that undercuts the point about about the, the, the sort of erasure of space and time or whatever, but but Saeed has a very different kind of experience after going through the door, and, and it brings him closer to his home, closer to his country, closer to his family. It, it almost constricts – not in a bad way necessarily, but it sort of brings him closer to those things.
0: Yeah. I yeah. think they just sort of represent – loosely the two broad tracks you could take right either feeling less inclined to uh to be back in 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 your place of origin or to be more strongly identified with it right or it's a
2: little bit of like um no matter where you go you're there still or what's what's that phrase
0: there you are wherever you are there you are yeah yeah whatever it is
2: but, uh, yeah, I think that fits well. I mean, uh, Sade had, had a more connection to his family life than Nadia did. Nadia, like, from from the get-go, was like, I'm Nadia. I'm doing my own shit. I rule. I'm, I'm riding a fucking motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sade always had those inklings towards family life. And um, I don't know. It kind of makes sense to me on a personal level that no matter where – where he went in the world or where, where they went in the world, those ideals were still with him. So they would have been with him if he stayed in their home country the whole time, you know, anyway. Which I think is yeah. very human. A character, you know, which I think is also one of the points that Hamid Hamid, uh, was was going for.
0: Yeah, he really tries to, like, get... Every fucking perspective uh, in 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 the way he can, like, expressing its potential best version of itself a little bit. Aside from maybe, like, the militants and stuff. But, like, you know, yeah, you got, like... I, I think, despite my suspicion that Hamid has, like, a, a somewhat naive attitude towards what the future may hold <laughs> for people. Which we like should definitely thi-
1: talk more about.
0: <clears throat> like, this book, at least to me adequately, so that I wasn't just, like, blech, uh, was, like, making a complicated case, it felt that, like, you know, that felt real. So, you you know, you have, like, Nadia and, and, and Said and then you get all the, like, you, the, I liked that part where the old lady was, like, not like she lived in Mer- Marin County or whatever Marin County and she was like it was just kind of her perspective so yeah. you, you know you get the fucking like the the frightened old white lady this the most dangerous type of person uh and then uh yeah so i i think he's really like making the effort to encapsulate a lot of of the experiences and like demonstrate that it's both not easy, you know, because th- even there's like some good things about the fucking r- sort of refugee encampment in that like mansion, but then he doesn't emphasize violence or how it could be bad, but he doesn't he doesn't not say it, I guess. Yeah, but I, I think so that I don't know, like
2: I I do like uh, honestly overall the the point of view he took of just like trying to write about a couple going through a very relatable, like young love. I think that's like a really, like that's probably the biggest strength of the whole book for me, honestly, is their relationship and the writing about their, the fallout of like loving somebody I thought was so subtle and so good. Um, And just so relatable, just like, nothing seemed to, like, happen, really. Like, there wasn't, weren't big events in their Which lives. Which is such
1: an, I, I think that's such an interesting, like, point, Paul, because so much does happen. They teleported. Happen. <laughs> yeah. it de- so much teleported, does happen around, right. yeah.
2: But, yeah, in terms of just, like, the one-on-one relationship they had with each other, it was just, like, nothing seemed to happen, but one day will go by, and they'll react differently to each other in a weird way they don't totally understand. And... You know, I've gone through breakups, and that's like how it happens. You know, and it felt it. The writing was just so fucking good to me. Um, they're like, my favorite yeah, parts just like too. The demise of two people's love, but then like it, it's it's like like the endings warm blanket too though because they. Spoiler alert! Meeting. They break up. They break up, but at the end they meet when they're like seventy years old and they have a nice like, rekindling and, it's I don't know. It was, yeah, it was nice.
1: I, I, and
0: Harry Potter marries
1: Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Spoilers, dude. I'm sorry. Um, I, I I have a, just two things. It's before. not Winnie. Or who is it? Ginny. Ginny.
2: Ginny. Um, have you even read <laughs> Harry Jesus, Potter?
1: dude. You're banned from the Harry Potter segment this episode. Oh.
0: <laughs> no, please um, don't.
1: But I wanted to just touch a little bit, Matt, on your point. About kind of the, the the different reactions that we see from people to this kind of new world and 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 uh, all of these new developments because you talked about the old uh, white woman in California. One mm-hmm. of my other favorite segments was one of these vignettes that he tells about the housemaid in Morocco, in in Marrakesh, mm. right where she is uh, has been working for this like rich family in in the city or whatever. And her young daughter, her younger daughter is trying to get her to go with her through one of these doors. Right. And she yeah. kind of feels this sense of just like, I I'm here. Like, this is me. This place is my identity. This is my life. And it, it just wouldn't even make sense for me to leave. Um And I, I'll just read a little bit of that section. This is towards the end of it. Uh, The maid looked at her daughter, who looked to her as though she had captured the best of her and her husband, too, for she could see him in her and of her mother, whose voice came from her daughter's mouth, strong and low, but not her words, for her daughter's words were utterly unlike her mother's had been. They were quick and nimble and new. The maid placed her hand on her daughter's hand and brought it to her lips and kissed it, the skin of her lips clinging for an instant to the skin of her child, clinging even as she lowered her daughter's hand, the shape of lips being mutable in this way. And the maid smiled and shook her head. One day she might go, she thought, but not today. And I, I, I felt like it, that again, like we, like you said, we get a lot of kind of kaleidoscopic perspectives on yeah. these events. Right. And then like, there's, like, there's another vignette that that's told about like an old guy who basically sees someone come through a door in his shed and like just walk across his lawn And they wind up, like, you know, falling in love and having this relationship. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's told in in sketches, right? Like, these are all very short two, three-page vignettes, but...
0: Yeah, and and even that old lady, right? Like, there's a lot of, like... So you got the space and time thing again. Like, there's a lot of intergenerational, like, relationships happening. Because the older woman you know her kids are gone but she has a grandchild but the grandchild is like mixed race and like partially chinese right and, but she's also the only one who will like i don't know the old lady's well, clearly similarly... supposed to be written as like racist a little bit and but yeah. so she's like okay it was like i love this girl but she's a little chinese looking and then <laughs> right. but just like kind of not knowing what to do with that but you know the the end of that chunk is uh what's the what's the pithy phrase that i know hamid was proud to write uh we are all, what is it? We all, all refugees through ti- time,
1: yeah. migrants through time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I think that but was a. That, I think that's supposed to be taken very as a very heavy. Sort of hint at one of the may- big big ass themes.
1: Well, and and of course at the, earlier on in the book, Saeed and Nadia try really hard to get Saeed's father to come with them through the door, right? Yeah, and he yeah. won't won't leave, and and I thought that description was also really really well done because. You know his, his wife, was killed by basically I think a stray built bullet through a window, right? Yeah. Or she was in her car, like getting something out of her car, and was sort of shot, uh, and and dies violently. And I thought that that description was pretty gruesome. Got the top and of her well head done. taken off. Yeah. Like um,
0: Coyotito style.
1: Yeah. F in the chat for Coyotito and for <laughs> F- Sade's mom. <laughs> And his dad. Stupid. Not quite as bad. Stupid violent.
2: baby. I don't give a shit about the Pearl and that stupid fucking baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, damn. Yeah, damn. That's fucking, that's fucking hard wow. on the record. That's fucking hard. Brutal.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll actually go on the record saying that the Pearl should have been called the bad Pearl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, it was bad. It hurt that yeah. badly. Yeah. Um,
0: he should have loaded the gun with the pearl and shot Coyote accidentally with it. Mm. Now we're cooking gun. with gas. Oh, yeah. 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 With gas. Okay.
1: Um, but I think you know, in, in that that section where they're trying to get Sed's father to go with him, you know, he said says to him at one point, like, like mom's gone, like she's dead, and and he and his dad just goes like, not for she's not for me, and right, he just. Can't leave, and he ultimately winds up. He, you know, he kind of stays, knowing he's gonna die somehow. Uh, ultimately, he he doesn't die in the violence; he just dies uh, by other means. But Track. yeah, there's a, there's a ton of of generational complexity, I think here too. And I think Matt, your that that line sums it up in terms of uh, Hamid's Hamid's view on it.
0: I just have another little chunk here that I highlighted, just because I think it's another big big one. Um, it's on 138, middle paragraph, if you want to read along. <laughs> uh, I do. Said and Nadia knew what the buildup to conflict felt like, and so the feeling that hung over London in those days was not new to them, and they faced it not with bravery exactly, and not with panic either, not mostly, but instead with a resignation shot through with moments of tension, with tension ebbing and flowing, and when the tension receded, there was calm. The calm that is called the calm before the storm, but is in reality the foundation of human life, waiting there for us between the steps of our march to our mortality, when we are compelled to pause and not act but be. So I don't know, like,
1: yeah,
0: just a weird, that almost like little existentialist chunk there of like, oh, definitely, you know, yeah, I mean, uh,
1: there's a lot existing of with your moments. awareness.
2: Sorry no it's okay I'm sorry that I kept interjecting um, I I like the I really like the thread of, of their relationship mixed with like these moments of extreme fear and just like close calls violence, like a, the, just horrible violence um, but yeah interjecting like little moments like the paragraph you just read Matt like there's always this like overbearing dread and impending doom that's coming to these characters. And it makes, it makes me think of the scene where they're on the beach too. And they're like fishing and it's getting like dark. And then they get followed by like four dudes and they go and uh, they're like kind of not running away, but like walking quickly, they end Mm -hmm. up dropping their pole and then they, what they camp out in front of a, uh, a guarded house.
1: Yeah. Yeah, But but I mean, the the police can see them, I think.
2: But yeah, it's just like, for for many of us like us three white guys it's like an unrelatable life to us that i just thought was very compelling and you know understandable or you know i could understand the situation but you know it's it's not relatable to us at all and i thought that it, um hamid did just like a great job of what what i think he was trying to do is just like give a general gist of the reality of so many people that Westerners kind of just lump into one category and don't give two thoughts about. So in, in that way, I think like this book was very strong.
1: And I, and I think that, that almost, that was certainly intentional too, right? And this goes back a little <coughs> bit to the the question of specificity and how specific should he have been and, and so on and so forth. But like, uh, you know, inserting what I think we've all already said is some of our favorite sort of from a writing perspective, parts of the book where he's talking about their relationship, which we all intuitively recognize, right? A relationship that just kind of slowly morphs over time and becomes something unrecognizable from what it started out as, but having that kernel um, exist within the context of something that is deeply unrelatable to most Western readers, I I think was done, was done really well, as you said, Paul.
2: And that's why I'm kind of thinking about this book as like political pop music. Like I, I can rate, I can rate pop music very, very high. Like I fucking love a lot of pop music, five bags for a lot of pop music. And, and this book to me is like very much attempting to be popular. And I, I can't, I can't like discount it because of that. You know what I mean? Um so yeah, I think that maybe it was like trying to reach for general audiences in a lot of ways and be very generalized. But I think it I think it did it very successfully. Like I, I actually was thinking about the Pearl a lot. Like we, we were we read the Pearl or I didn't read the Pearl, but you guys read the Pearl in in middle school. And that was like a yeah. good age uh to read that book. And I think that this book is like probably really good for certain people of a certain age to read.
0: I 100% agree, yeah. Like it's I would, not like I would an throw elevated, it in the middle school like, area.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe like high school. Yeah. Yeah. So when I think about it like that, it changes my potential rating, I would say. and evaluation
0: yeah, it's like Hamid is so good at writing what you said. Like this kind of what this this incredibly massive topic, which I mean, literally in the narrative of the book, like spans the globe. Like he's talking about he's talking about human the human race, right? Like grandly, yeah, the human race, right? Which that's too big. Like you can't just start talking about the human race, right? It's it's just like all right. Um, so you do have to do these particulars and. I mean, yeah, so he just, he flits through all these perspectives, and uh, I think in a sort of broad sense, he succeeds in, in doing one of the main sort of claimed benefits of uh, of fiction, right, which is like creating empathy, or like, uh, at least for him, uh, committing an act of empathy in his art, right? Uh And yeah, I think that the way it's written, it would be. I I was thinking the same thing. Like decent reading material for like, uh, yeah, middle school or high school, actually, as like an intro to this kind of just very notion, you know. And that made me more sympathetic to it than I than I would have been normally. A little bit.
2: Yeah, like in terms of other like refugee or fallout of refugee type books we've read, I was thinking of like. The Museum of Unconditional Surrender, a little bit. Yeah. And I would definitely. say, I mean, that's one of my favorite books we've read. And I would, I mean, I would say that that's like a better book overall, but maybe not accessible. Like, this book is very accessible. So, and I think particular. intentionally so. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, Matt, go ahead. Just
0: that, that you Gresich, is like, that's so her. <laughs> You know, that's her incredibly specific means of expressing her very specific experience with it. You know, it's not, it's really not this. It's not Exit West, you know. Yeah. And like,
1: as we've talked about, like in in the sense of like, in the context of like difficulty of books, like that book requires a shit ton of historical research and background uh, on like, the relationship of, of Yugoslavia to the Soviet Union and the sort of mm-hmm. modern history of Yugoslavia to, to even get a handle on what she's trying to talk about a lot of the time. I'll, but although, of course, in that book, there are like deeply human moments like with her and her mother and so on and so forth. And the, but, but a lot of the context and the references and, and all of the sort of the, the particularities of culture and place are really central to that book. And I think you're right that that's not the case here.
0: Do you think that this book uh, ends satisfyingly? Do you do you like that little tag and just sort of the, did I, You know, is there an apocalypse kind of quietly happening on on the earth though? Like, at this point, I'm assuming I, the assumption I had was that there were like a bajillion doors, right. and everyone was fucking everywhere, and and you know, initially they claim all of these like. Very significantly, like, classic places where a lot of these refugee crises have happened over the recent history. So, like, Mykonos is famously, like, a place where refugees go. London, obviously, a lot of tension there. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, I guess California, um, places like Paris and stuff, too, you know. So, at first, that's where he wants the specificity. But then eventually, right, it's like, did you get the sense that, like, people were just all over the fucking place? Did whole countries just get vacated because it sucked that bad and there were places where no one was there anymore? Like, what, what was uh, what is the world looking like in your imagination with these doors? I mean, this is my uh,
2: Star Trek The Next Generation viewpoint, but, like, hell yeah, I I loved it. I mean, I I kind of like the idea of just like people thinking. Like, I loved the the segments where he was talking about um, England or Britain just having like fertile land and just being like a place that people were so will survive because it has like uh, fertile soil. And I don't know, I, I maybe like it's like the extreme leftist in me that was just kind of like that's nice and quaint. Like, we are kind of all migrants, and you know. Mm-hmm. My people migrated from Poland and Italy in 1912 or whatever. I don't know. I uh, I like that, and I kind of I, I didn't see it as like a doomy future that Hamid was trying to portray. I th- I saw it more of as like a not utopian, but like more of a realistic approach to how things could progress.
0: Yeah, inter yeah, just Sh- just mixed up now more. Yeah, so there's no way to stop it.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if he was critiquing that or just like saying that's I, I yeah I didn't know if he was saying that was the way to go or not really, it, or or if he was just saying that this is the way it is going.
3: There, yeah, some, that's where, where I got confused.
0: Yeah, go no, just I'm just confused because like I, I, at least from what I was hearing from his own account, like in these like talks. Like he he, he he's like you know borders and and uh, you know. You know, I'm I'm Pakistani, but that's not a real thing. He's very much like of that mind. Like these are fake. This is all fake. Like he's like borders are fake. Fucking, I think reality isn't real <laughs> most of the time. You know. Uh, so he's he's all about the false distinction.
1: Well, I, okay, I I don't know if we should conflate those two things, but. What? Well, that borders are are fake and reality isn't real.
0: Well, fair enough, but I mean, like the reality I of I mean, borders, like, maybe. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Is like, as thing as things stand now, a lot of it's a lot of it's kind of bullshit and made up a bit, and it's and it's to our detriment as like human beings. And like, he was talking, you know, talking about how like he he would he wants a. Uh, his vision, his utopian vision a bit is at the for people is like a full global society. Like he was like, that's, that's the only way he thinks we could survive, and, and that's the only kind of way to avoid all the other shit that we put the earth and ourselves through and all that kind of stuff. So he, he's very much like glo- global society.: I
2: think that's my view too, like kind of shit, Libby, but I also fall into like the ZZEC mindset of like everyone anyone can be my neighbor, but don't talk to me which I love about Zizek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like, a great line of
1: his. I love that so <laughs> much.
2: It's like, accept your neighbor, don't love your neighbor, just like accept <laughs> him and don't talk to him.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And don't talk to me, but like you're fine. I love that.
0: And I do think this book ends on on that kind of ambiguous note, and then there's a little sweet touch of like just nostalgia just for, for a cherry on top with yeah, yeah. that meeting. I actually, yeah, the, the, the I think that the...
2: Are... yeah. It fits within the pop music uh, metaphor, but I did not like the cherry on top of them like meeting again. I don't think I would it, was say. it was necessary. It wasn't necessary, and I, I thought it was more poetic for them to just be like, we didn't talk for a, a week, then a month, then a year, then a, then a lifetime. Yeah, I thought that was fucking awesome. Yeah, just leave it. Just leave it. It's a great last line, yeah. But it wasn't the last line, so... Yeah. No points off.
1: <laughs> I I do I do just want to read a section, Matt, just because you mentioned this this like question of kind of like the apoc because he does use the language of the apocalypse uh, at least once, um, and this is way towards the end on on two seventeen, uh, and I wonder if this doesn't like cut against a little bit the kind of pure utopianism that he may be expressing in in some of these interviews. Uh, yeah,
0: I for the record, I just I don't think this book does it. No, 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 yeah, but that I think that's like floating above everything, it right? Must, you
1: know, right. Um, so this it says the locality around Marin seemed to be rousing itself from a profound and collective low in those days. It has been said that depression is a failure to imagine a plausible, desirable future for oneself, and not just in Marin, but in the whole region, in the Bay Area, and in many other places too places both near and far, the apocalypse appeared to have arrived and yet it was not apocalyptic, which is to say that while the changes were were jarring, they were not the end and life went on and people found things to do and ways to be and people to be with and plausible, desirable futures began to emerge, unimaginable previously, but not unimaginable now and the result was something not unlike relief. Um, And so I think that that kind of speaks to what you were raising in the sense that it's, you know... Uh, maybe a commentary, not necessarily on the, the inherent desirability of this kind of like global, um, you know, mixing pot future or whatever, but, but more a comment. And maybe this is a separate discussion that we need to have on the sort of ability of human beings to just fucking make it work and like find, find the small good things in whatever context, even if it is, apocalyptic in a sense um and maybe this story is kind of a a case in point of that right where say and nadia find a way to make things work at least for a time in a kind of apocalyptic bubble right where their city was um and and sort of so, so so like maybe it's a sort of you know to read it in a less optimistic but still um Having some faith in a sort of dark faith in humanity, kind of way, it almost reminds me of a sort of like, you know, Beckett style point of just like human beings can fucking get used to whatever, right? Like, I can't go on, I'll go on type, sure. type move. Um, I, I don't think Hamid is, is like that dark, but I, I you know, I, I think it's, you know, probably somewhere in between a, a sort of like open techno utopianism at least this book again maybe the dude himself is a full-on techno utopian whatever but at least in this text i think it probably falls somewhere in between those uh those extremes
0: and i think he's just running a thought experiment too like with the issue of the day right like it had to have loomed large in the minds of people in 2017 in particular like uh and just being like what if this situation arose in which there was no way to even police their fucking deal like right there were like a billion doors that could take you anywhere and it was just completely you you were no longer that was it was no longer an option for you to even like police a border or, or like maintain the concept of people not being able to get into your. <laughs>
1: Right. Into your your
0: your your bounded space of land that you call your country or whatever.
1: And I think that that's you know, I thought it was interesting and I kind of wondered what you all thought about the the portrayal of what of what ultimately winds up going down in London and England in general. Right. Which is sort of a on a grander scale what he talks about at the end there, which is just like. People figure it out because eventually, right, at first it's this its this crisis moment and they try to cordon off all the sections where they think doors are and they have police patrols and uh, they, they cut off power to try to get people to leave and, and so on and so forth, right? But ultimately the, the British government in this book kind of just goes, all right, fuck it, like we just got to figure it out and they just kind of expand London outward and they put the people, they say, okay, you can live here but you have to kind of like work for the government basically and like build your own homes and help us, help us build the infrastructure to sustain you and so on and so forth. So it does kind of just become this like, all right, fuck it. We'll figure it out (laughs) kind of moment. Well, it becomes like an
2: organic socialism moment too, right? It's like the, in a way, like the, the government, the city government of London is just like, okay, how do we deal with these people? Let's have, help them build our infrastructure to me. That's like very socialistic.
1: And, and you know, I'll, I will just say, you know, on the question of kind of like realism or, or how this would actually play out. To your earlier question, Matt, like, as as someone personally that has a uh, great sympathy with the like borders are fake uh, mentality, mm-hmm. um,
2: say that to the wall in Texas. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. I know. Um, <laughs> It'll beat you up. Yeah. Uh, just and, say it and, to the actual brick wall too. Right. Yeah. You know, nations are fake. Borders are fake. Shout out Keith Woods. Uh, Oceans just are g- fake. <laughs> just, just kidding. Not shout out. Shout you know, that is. down. Yeah. Shout down. Um, shout in. Sh- shout in. <laughs> Whisper in. Um, uh, you know, I do I, I do kind of have the intuition that like more or less if we all just kind of as a world decided borders are fake, fuck it uh we'd figure it out more or less
2: well yeah i i agree yeah. actually yeah maybe it's like a naive leftist point of view but i i think that yeah to use a, a, well, a right-wing analogy it's like the free market
1: but it's free migration ooh, that's spicy well yeah I mean, <laughs> it's actually not spicy because most libertarians are in favor of open borders
0: yeah, it's it's not that I don't believe that we couldn't cope with a lot of things, you know? So I, 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 I'm I actually with you in the sense of, like, I have optimism that we can deal with a lot of stuff, but th- that includes um, potentially incredibly violent ruptures and cataclysms.
1: Right, right.
0: Which, of which this could be one, potentially, just to... If we're going to have to overcome generations of this kind of, like, bias and forethought, you know?
1: And it which, in a weird way... I think Hamid downplays, uh, like, you know, I, I, I definitely think he downplays the degree to which this sort of situation would be, uh, like horrendously violent and bloody. Like, you know, you don't get the full
0: on pogrom or something that I was kind of expecting a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like,
1: like essentially when they're all in London, like. You know there's like a threat or two of like a, a, a like a nativist kind of nationalist like violent riot or something and Yeah, think, you got your
0: BNP guys basically. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And I think some of that goes down and maybe a couple people die or something but it, it it's not to the scale that I think it almost certainly would be in reality. Like like essentially the worst thing that happens is they get their power shut off. Yeah. And I definitely think that that is um, uh, probably too sanguine in terms of the way it would actually go down. Yeah,
2: yeah, but... Yeah. Sorry, I have I have kind of a thought in my head about that, but, like, I, I think it does relate to, like, the personal experience for maybe a lot of people like Nadia and Sade too, is that, like, you're... And I think that it takes away from it narratively as a whole... But I think it it encompasses the characterization of the two main characters really well. Is that like you're a lot of people in these situations and in, in these countries they're surrounded by danger that comes so close to them, probably like throughout many moments in their lives. But they do walk away unscathed. And I, I So Yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say other than that, like I, yeah, I think it added to their characterization, but took away. So you think it's it's overall. almost
1: like a way of kind of encapsulating, like, like the 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 real danger is actually there, and it's but but it's much more than they perceive it to be because they are used to living in danger. Is that kind of the suggestion?
2: Yeah, I think that like, you know, they've been witnessed to a lot of people that have like had, like there was a scene of a like I think Said finds a decapitation like a decapitated head or walks by a head that's been decapitated
1: yeah Mm -hmm. um i think his father sees kids playing soccer with a decapitated head at one point that's it
0: yeah
2: Yeah. it's it it, it's making me think of some famous quote by some famous writer that i can't think of that's just like like i worried about things my whole life and nothing ever happened to me you know what I'm talking about? I can't think of the
0: exact quote. I get or, that sentiment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, Anxiety Gang.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yet
2: again, I think that what I'm just going to reiterate what I said is like that. It, that added to the realism of of the actual characters, but it took mm-hmm. away from the narrative theme potentially.
0: It still kind of basically was grounded with them. So maybe they like danced between the raindrops a little bit in terms of get, getting, getting tagged with some seeing something really horrendous. But, uh, and, and that might be the excuse potentially to avoid bringing up things like that, you know, because again, ultimately I think this book is like trying to be very warm and humanist and like maybe there was just a, there, the, 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 I, I feel like Hamid probably thought quite a lot about the type of violence and how much in ratio to other things to put Definitely. in. Definitely. And like, you know, the the wholesale slaughter on race base bases or something was probably, he probably was just like, you know, he probably thought about it. I can almost, I, I, I'm willing to believe, but was just like, I don't know. Like, why would I just show like, you know, why would I have a race war? Going on, you know, like I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's not useful to the overall project that this book represents,
1: which, which I, right. And I think that it's like, I don't think that it's like totally jarring narratively because it, you know, he has, a, as you say, Matt, like a very carefully measured amount of violence done on the part of the militants early on in the book and a similarly right. measured carefully measured amount of violence done by the reactionaries in the West in the back half.
0: hmm And then by the very end when they're in same Saint- or in Marin, they're they're kind of just chilling. Things have like yeah. solidified into at the very least, like recognizable uh you know work camps and and just sort of like encampments on the outsk- outskirts of like these major cities. And they want to they get, kind get of jobs living.
1: and Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I don't know how you guys felt about that overall, but, like, what, what did you think about the dichotomy and maybe the, the juxtaposition that I felt between the two characters and the overall story going on? Like, politically and socially and all that. Because, I mean, that's one of my major issues, is that I felt like the three aspects of the book, the love story, the political issues, and the magical realism they did not weave together at all for me, really.
1: Oh, I mean, as, as I've said already, I think that the, the love story kind of like nested within the political story that worked pretty well for me. I've already expressed my narrative problems with the usage of the doors. Uh, I kind of wanted more of them and I wanted them to be integrated more than they were. So I agree with you on, on the question of the magical realism aspect of the doors I, I thought that the love story and the, and the kind of, you know, broader picture political stuff worked pretty well. Um, but yeah, the doors were the sticking point for me.
0: Yeah. I I'm, I'm pretty much similarly like, uh, yeah, right. Probably all three blending. Uh, th- th- there was a, there was just some omissions and pacing issues and, and stuff that, like, uh, undercut the literal content of what I thought Hamid was trying to say. Um, but and the strongest aspect to me was just straight up the really basic but beautifully sort of rendered love story. And I was just like, yeah. yeah, I mean, the beginning was probably my favorite, to be honest. Like, just them. And again, you know, almost COVID vibes but with the militants. Like,
1: yeah, true.
0: You know, the 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 infrastructure around them slowly like deteriorating and and turning down, and them finding all these like weird workarounds to go through their like you know bombed out city. And, and like how, kinda, how like, uh,
1: Nadia drops down the uh, the covering for him to put on in order to be able to enter her building and walk up to her room.
0: Yeah, and they're in like, you know, gasoline lines and they're trying to charge their phones and food becomes scarce. And meanwhile, they're trying to like they're like horny for each other and like trying to text and then text blacks out and they meet at like a shitty burger, you know, yeah, like yeah. and then the burger joint is exploded one day. And they're like, all right. And they never took each other's numbers. Down. Just like all of that, like within the again, uh, a somewhat charming and just sort of banal almost love story happening in this context was super effective to me in terms of, like, humanizing people in that scenario. And,
1: and I yeah. think it carries through... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Uh, I think I was just going to say, to answer my own question, I think that, like, I would have preferred um, the doors just not being a component in in the overall story. Because I, I think that, like, the the weaving together works a lot of ways between the social and political and whatever and, and the... Uh, Relationship, but I think the doors like the magical realism just really thro- throws me off for real.
1: I I, I want to come back day. to the doors in a second because I have a, a political point to make about the doors, but just on this Sick. this question about the, the 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 love story, I I also think it like carries through to me to the end where it starts to break down, like uh, that. I I mean I love the beginning, but I uh, like in terms of the realism and relatability of it, kind of like what Paul was saying earlier, like that felt equally real like the breakdown of the relationship where they kind of oh, just yeah, start fucking no, yeah. like drifting and i and there's some of my favorite passages in the book are from the end when when they're talking about that and uh
0: yeah mine too i have a
1: couple that i that i can read um if that's okay i'm
0: glad they both couple off too you know thank god Yes. Not, usually come on usually someone's alone and didn't want it to happen
1: yes no yeah and i but i thought that was described so like it was very organic, right? Like Nadia falls in love with, uh, basically a, a a female cook at the, the kind of like meal providing organization that she works with. And then Saeed starts going to this, um, kind of like, uh, you know, Southern black kind of like revivalist church. Right. And falls in love with the priest preacher's daughter. Um, Yeah. I thought that was like just really well done. And, uh, and but, they
2: kept, like, they, they, like, didn't end up hating each other or just, like, wanting to not talk to each other. Like, it would kind of happened, like, slowly and organically.
1: Yeah. Um, and there were two two paragraphs that really kind of, like, I just thought were beautiful in that description of kind of, like, that slow decay. But in a way that's, like, not, like, super depressing, like I think we all kind of know. Um, so this yeah. is, this is I think, before they um, go to California. This is one they're still in, in London, I think. Um, 188 to 189. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. It's
0: time for love. Let's talk about it. <laughs> uh,
1: and so when she suggested one day out of the blue under the drone crossed sky and in the invisible network of surveillance that radiated out from their phones, recording and capturing and logging everything, that they abandoned this place and give up their position on the housing list and all they had built here and passed through a nearby door she had heard of to the new city of Marin. On the Pacific Ocean close to San Francisco, he did not argue or even resist as she thought he might. And instead, he said yes. And both of them were filled with hope hope that they would be able to rekindle their relationship, to reconnect with their relationship as it had been not long ago, and to elude through a distance spanning a third of the globe what it seemed in danger of becoming. And I think that is like, obviously, it's like taken to an extreme in this scenario. But we've all done shit like that. Right. Let's just do something extreme and and kind of like crazy to try to, you know, salvage a relationship that's not that's not headed in the right direction. Right. Right. Whether that's moving or fucking having a threesome or what, you know, whatever, (laughs) like whatever the fuck it is. Right. Like we all know. Right. We all know that vibe. Um, and then I'll just, I just want to read the second one before you respond, Paul.
2: Having a dog like a peanut butter off of you. Yeah, exactly. You know. or,
1: getting a do- or getting a dog or, frankly, having kids, <laughs> right? Like, right. All, all of this shit. Taking these kind of extreme sort of measures to try to kind of rekindle or, or salvage or whatever. And then the next one that I thought was just a, a, a really beautiful moment that kind of elucidates or, or highlights their, their, pers- their respective character arcs. This is on 205. Um, one night one of the tiny drones this is when they're in, already in California one night one of the tiny drones that kept a watch on their district part of a swarm and not larger than a hummingbird crashed into the transparent plastic flap that served as both door and window of their shanty and, Sa- and it gathered its motionless iridescent body and showed it to Nadia and she smiled and said they ought to give it a burial and they dug a small hole right there in the hilly soil where it had fallen using a spade and then covered this grave again pressed it flat and Nadia asked if Said was planning on offering a prayer for the departed automaton. And he laughed and said maybe he would. And I think that that's just like a good moment of, you know, suggesting, you know, she's kind of poking fun at him as the, at, uh, in terms of this like extra religious turn he's taken since leaving. And he kind of knows she's poking fun of him, but also it's real. And that's just kind of like a little one of those moments that you mentioned earlier, Paul, where they just are relating they're connecting but it's about something that is uh, uh, symptomatic of a greater disjoint that exists in their relationship
0: yeah and they've 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 traversed space to such massive degrees but you know the 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 more operative thing on them and most and everybody is time right so like no matter how right. much technical geographical distance they've they've moved across the globe like they were always going to move apart through time emotionally um and there was no real stopping that so i i am i'm also with you like i think the full arc of the start and dissolution was the best part and definitely the right move as like the backbone for trying to tell a story like this i liked it
1: yeah Okay, so here's the political point I wanted to make about the doors. Wait,
0: before
2: before you say that, it's like this song reminds me of that song by Michael Jackson, the Free Willy song, a little bit. Just like a strong riff, but it's talking about like social issues, like animal rights. Is the Free Free Willy?
0: Okay, it's not called Free Willy. I forget what it's called, like River Jordan or something. Yeah, Uh,
2: but I was thinking of that song a lot.
0: Just a strong riff
2: throughout. That's not and Sade. Yeah. Michael Jackson would like this book.
1: <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <Michael>. <laughs> I don't know. Michael about Jackson that, dude. would not listen to
2: any podcast if he was still alive.
1: Dude, Michael, this this podcast we've Michael Jackson's canceled. <laughs>
0: he, he is canceled. Like this book. Doesn't mean you can't like it too.
1: That's right. If there's any Michael Jackson podcasts out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there are. I know. I'm sure there are. Um. All right, so here's the, the the point that I wanted to make. So I said I had two problems with the doors, the narrative narrative tension and the political tension and this is the political tension. I, I think like uh, you know, as you said earlier Matt in your discussion about this uh, there's a it's he's taking a risk here, right? Because for a lot of people, you know, both refugees and in sort of the popular consciousness of refugees, the journey Obviously, there's a context and a background, but the getting from place to place is a huge part of that story, right? And so, cutting that out, I think, is is certainly bold and and interesting, uh, but it comes with risks, right? And I and I think one of the risks that I that worries me is that it is one that kind of cuts against the overall thrust of the book, right? Which is to try to humanize and make kind of relatable some of these characters but one of the one of the most dehumanizing things that we tend to do in the west when thinking about the figure of like the refugee capital t capital r is make this sort of implicit assumption or um view them as like they just kind of show up at our border magically kind of out of nowhere right and there's no history and there's no context and they're just here and, well, I, I don't want them here so they can just go back to wherever they came from with the assumption being that that's a simple process, right? And it isn't. And I wonder if the sort of like, uh, you know, device of the door kind of plays into that or, or invites that, that false understanding of the process of, of being a refugee, right? Where, you know, you look at someone who's come to the Southern border from, you know, Nicaragua or wherever. And the idea is like, Oh, they've just shown up here essentially through magic, which is literally what happens in this book. And, and I think that's a very harmful view. And well, I mean, we were, so I wonder about how to navigate that.
2: Well, we were kind of talking about this earlier is that like, if you, if you center on, on that like travel aspect only in a story, you might gravitate towards that being the identity of that individual solely because that's what you think of a refugee you think of like like oh i th- i'm thinking of a mexican what does what does that mean oh they're trying to get over the wall like i'm not saying i think that but like many people yeah, might yeah. think that just like oh they're trying to like cross the fucking gulf of mexico on a boat and i think that's harmful and i think that's what Hamid was actually trying to avoid but I I do understand what you're trying to say is that like it kind of backfires on him a bit because like as westerners that's how we see a refugee as they just pop up um
1: yeah, yeah it, it yeah it, 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 it's it's sort of like there's a risk of reduction either way right do you reduce the refugee experience to only the the, sp- the sort of space in between where they, are, where they are from and where they are attempting to get to, right? Which I think is a, a temptation. Um, and I think to go back to the Museum of Unconditional Surrender, Ugresic really captures that feeling subjectively really well of being like displaced, like literally without place and perpetually yeah. sort of in between.
2: Um, Which Hamid doesn't really do.
1: Doesn't address really... Very much at all yeah, uh, I would argue
0: and I think when you, like when you're if you're going to remove the travel aspect uh, from your narrative of refugees ostensibly then then the doors become the place where you need to make up for that with the strength of the concept like it, it feels like a again like I said like a sort of philosophical thought experiment that is not fleshed out like yeah. you know what I mean? like not enough especially t- if you're ex- if you're using it to exclude something as you know important to the to the understanding of of the process of being a refugee as like traveling to the places uh and crossing borders and dealing with people
2: well and that still comes back to my like i think maybe all of our thoughts of just like why the magical real- realism why not just like choose to diminish the storytelling to like and they escape to this place and that actually i think would have hit a little bit harder is just like i'm not going to focus on the actual escaping just say that they escaped and they
1: yeah that's an interesting question like what you know what how would this book have read if there was no magical element and and every time they go through a door he he just kind of says a couple months later they were here right As the description.
0: And they were just living in a refugee camp that happened to already be at a place. Yeah. It really wouldn't change almost anything, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's a really good way to put it, Paul.
0: But I think I mean it would change a lot, but
2: it would change I mean to to go to your point though, Gabe, is that like I think it would change a lot because like (laughs) like it devalues that whole experience, but I lost my train of thought, I'm sorry.
1: Well, but I mean of course if it was written that way, we could make a similar sort of criticism, like, oh wow, you're throwing off the 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 experience of actually getting to the place with two sentences. Like we could be having the same sort of conversation. It would just be yeah, yeah, set yeah. in against a different context in narratively. I just slightly so, like, disagree I mean,
0: with uh, Hamid's, you know, idea about why he did it. Yeah. A bit. I'm just kind of just not in agreement with like the effectiveness of de emphasizing that to yeah. the level of, of literally it's not there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, charitably, we might say something like, and I guess this kind of fits in with Hamid's general kind of socio-philosophical view, right? Which is that, like, if these doors exist, right, the the sort of um, question of kind of refugee and and, and migrants becomes an unavoidable one right it's inevitable like it, it's just yeah. it just is a bare fact that is going to happen and and all of our kind of uh, political maneuvering and policies and this and that are, are going to be you know ultimately ineffectual against it and maybe that was part of the point he was trying to make that like this is just a like a bedrock fact of modern society and we should sh- we should in some ways stop thinking so much about it um, mm-hmm. or, or hand-wringing so much about it, maybe particularly. Um, so I could see that, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think he's just forcing the issue with uh, the device, the magical device, Yeah. to sort of describe, yeah, I think probably potentially something he sees as uh, inevitable anyway, or he definitely desires for it to be that way. Can I
2: play a game right now? Yes. Because you guys don't like Murakami as much as me. Can you guys try to explain? (laughs) I'm Jigsaw. Do you want to
0: play a game? (laughs) I (laughs) have pancreatic cancer. Magical realism Jigsaw. And I
2: want you to talk about (laughs) magical realism. (laughs) Magical Uh, Murakami Jigsaw. (laughs) (laughs) Can you guys try to explain why Murakami's magical realism works
0: and this did not?
1: I'll go first. Uh...
0: I ain't read enough man but I'll try.
1: Uh, uh, I mean I've only read I've only really read uh Killing Commendatory and then the the Men Without Women collection of short stories um which
2: which okay, are on our YouTube channel. Which is on our YouTube channel. So go, go check, check out, out that series
1: that Paul and I did. You can um, see our faces. Yeah, which you know you want. Your handsome
0: mugs. Um, and my nipples.
1: That is that true? No. Oh, damn. I was like, Sorry. Did you lift up your shirt at some point? <laughs> um, but so I, I, I guess going, I can put off the short story collection, I think, mostly because there's not a lot of magical realism in those stories. There's one or That's two, true. but it's very, very light, like even lighter than this book um, in most cases. Killing Commendatory, I can say a little bit about, and I think I said this mostly in that episode. Um, I don't actually, I'm not actually convinced that it does work really well in that book. That's uh, true. backfiring on me. So <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know that I need to offer that that type of explanation because I, I didn't love the way it was done in that book either. And I think I said kind of the same thing, which is that I wanted, it, I wanted more of it. I wanted it to be committed to more.
2: Okay, yeah. I would say "fuck you" to you, but you just need to read more Murakami. So.
0: Well, I think magic. You know, I, the only other thing I did was uh, "Wind Up Bird Chronicle," in which I think the magical realism works. Very similar things happening, or some definite like portal. You know, like and, and this book too, right? Like like portals, the thin membranes between worlds, etc. But with Murakami, right? It's like he's he's not he's not, um, it's, this is just such a, like refugees and like the, the, like the, these are just very like grounded and real, (laughs) uh, issues. And, and he, he just, he has way more of like an earnest, I would say sort of like agenda and message to put across about, you know, that he, he, he thinks is, uh, is uh laid bare by an issue like refugees period. And like put and then just putting like a like a fucking portal or you know, a, you know, just like a, a cloak that makes you fly or just something like that into a, the context of like that kind of thing is just the magic carpet more wrap. fraught. It's just more fraught, dude. You can't just be like, we're gonna do um Rwanda. I'm gonna talk about Rwanda or whatever. Uh but one of the guys Has a magic pen where whatever he writes comes true. (laughs) You're just like, (laughs) you're like, okay. (laughs) There's people beheading him, but you know, it's just like, yeah. So I think it's just. I think that I asked that question to
2: to try to gather my thoughts a bit about why, and I think I, I think that Murakami has. I think I talked about this in in the Killing Commendatory thing. Is that like there's an element of spirituality and like Japanese spirituality that is throughout Murakami's writing, too, that, like, fits well, I think. Um, And I actually do think that it's a brave, cool, artistic choice for Hamid to try to implement that way of writing. Uh, I just don't think it worked. But I think it's, like, if he had that thought of just, like, this would be a cool idea artistically, let me try to do it. dude. Uh, I just don't th- – I don't think he did it enough. Again, that's I, my, my yeah, general thing. I was,
1: I was fucking fully hype on the concept when I read about it. I was like, this sounds cool and interesting to me, but, but it, yeah, it, it – I don't know. It just felt – it felt very halfway and, and, and then add on to it all of the, like, worries that I have about it politically that Matt and I have sort of been articulating or we've all been articulating in various ways – I just don't know that it was worth it to put it in there. And I, and I think you, what you said earlier, like if you're, if, if you're going to, if you want to reduce that experience because you have other things you want to say, fine. um, Just, just do it in in a way that just, you know, do it in a sentence, do it in, you know, just say like they were here next.
2: Well, it felt, I mean, and that's why it kind of feels to me like a reduction towards a Buzzfeed article. Like, I'm not saying that that was his, like, we can't know his initial artistic choice to like, I want to implement magical realism into this novel. But it, it come, comes across like that to me. Is that like, this is a high... Like, it, it's it's like a good idea. And it wasn't followed through. So it makes me feel a little icky about the whole experience.
0: But I don't if know you if have, that was the initial intent. If you have magical Narnia doors in your book, but then I think it actually... I think we're... We were right in saying with some very minor tweaks, you could remove the doors entirely and it would it would require very little editing to do. I don't know if I don't know if I. Yeah, it's just goes, we're just saying the same shit like there should have been more doors. Yeah. But, you know, yeah.
1: More doors, dude. More
2: doors or less doors or no
0: doors. Right. Here's, the, here's, yeah.
1: the, here's the spoiler alert for the uh, for the real spine crack heads or
0: mortar. And it's just the Lord of the Rings. That's right. Mordor. That's right. Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of uh, George R. Martin's books
2: that I forgot the name of.
0: Oh, the Game of Hodor. Thrones. Hodor. 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 Okay. Mordor. Okay. Mordor.
1: Okay, we're. we're oh,
0: I, I thought you just started wanting to talk about <laughs> or, uh, Game of Thrones suddenly. <laughs> really? Now there is a nice political story.
1: Yes,
2: I'm never uh, gonna write
0: it. I still gotta write, make that Twitter.
2: I'm never gonna <laughs> yeah. write it. It's not gonna happen. Yeah.
0: It's, it's not never
2: happening. Happen. I'm gonna die before I write it.
0: Deal with <laughs> it. Guess what I'm. Guess what I'm doing. Not writing it. Not writing it.
1: You're never yeah. gonna get it. Um, <laughs> but here's here's the here's the one one of the uh, meme preview for the real spine crack heads who are still listening. Yeah, there will be portal the game memes involved in the, involved in this. Of one. course, Sick.
0: of course. Yeah, one of the best games ever.
1: Yeah, play Portal.
2: Can Portal you put a uh, Can you put a picture of um, Nightcrawler from X Men Two in there?
1: Sure. Why?
2: <laughs> Just like you know, teleport.
1: If he teleports? <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> I always a little peek behind the curtain here. I, I I I frankly do feel weird about doing memes with people from different. Ethnicities, because I'm like, I would just like in my mind, I'm just like, oh, I'll just put Aladdin walking through a portal from the game. <laughs> I'm just like, oh shit, it's probably not okay. Yeah.
0: I'll just but, make Aziz Ansari and he's at the platform quarter in three quarters. No, is he, he's Indian, is he? I know, I'm joking. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. okay.
1: But, uh, but, okay, but Paul, I do think it's interesting, like, uh, one way you brought up the Murakami thing and maybe this, maybe I'm just being fucking racist and stupid now or something, but what if you are, what if he actually <laughs> used, what if he actually used like some Arabian, like, like lore as the magical realism here? Like what if he actually used fucking magic carpets? Like, like maybe that would have been interesting.
0: Well, if he would have had to say that it would you that know, have
1: just... been better. Oh, then he would have had to specify place, I guess maybe more.
0: Yeah, yeah. maybe. Right. Right. Cause you know, shh, don't say anything. But I, the city is Lahore, Pakistan. I think,
1: maybe that's where he's think from. Well, I think that that's where he's from. I think that
2: adds to like the particular particularity issue we had earlier. Though is that like this does lack particularity, and that was a, a conscious choice by Hamid. Hamid, fuck, I'm such an idiot. Um,
1: <laughs> chill, chill.
2: But uh. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry.
1: I'm, I'm still on the fence about whether the lack of particular particularity is a problem. Um,
2: I don't think. Uh, OK, I don't think it's a problem. And I think it was a choice that worked in some aspects. Yeah. But it also backfired in certain aspects as well. Yeah. Like I think he he like wrote a line and he made the choice. But it like it backfired and he didn't potentially know how it would
0: how it would backfire. Yeah, he thought he could open a bunch of doors narratively, but it it did close a lot of doors for him. <laughs> nice. Also, nice. Yeah. But that also adds
2: to the my pop music reference because, like, I think there's a lot more doors that are open for like a general reader. Like, I think this is yeah. like, this is a great book to read if you're like a boomer. I think.
1: Or 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 like bats at middle like a high school young student. person, yeah. Maybe it gestures person, but towards
0: I, a lot of lo- like areas of inquiry. It gestures towards them. It doesn't.
2: Really yeah, and talk also it it also deals it, with like young love and everything. But I was also thinking of my dad, who's like get him hooked, uh, who's like also like a pop, like a, not a pop music. He's he's like a an old boomer. He's a pop. Leans. He's like a right. Uh, okay, this is like exclusive. Content, but he's like a right wing guy. <laughs> no, it isn't. Guy. This is going up everywhere, baby. <laughs> uh But he's like a right wing guy that like,
1: yeah.
2: I love the man, and he's like a sweet guy. But he has like, he'll never listen to this. So I don't care. But he has like inherent weird vibes towards certain ethnic groups. I would say, and I think that yeah. a lot of. People from a that's, certain that's age a, probably that's do. Nice way of
1: saying racist.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of this as like a general audience type book, and I think that's what it was written. Yeah, as. Which,
1: which is, which is, uh, like to get, to circle all the way back to the very fucking beginning of this, which is why it's on the New York Times top ten. Read this book this year list. Yeah.
0: So we can. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and yeah, I don't think it's just like I. What I was nervous about which is just a sort of like treacly kind of facile take on this stuff like i don't think it's that i uh i think it's like an a serious piece of literature um and uh it didn't quite work for me but yeah i i see where a sort of general reading audience could benefit a lot from it and we talked about the educational aspects of it uh but uh I don't know. Do we, do we, do we, do we house these people?
1: <laughs> what?
0: What? House. In their, Yeah. Do we pick their house?
1: Oh, oh. God. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. That, that was jumping. subtle. You're jumping. Okay. Okay. Well, so just for those Not of you jumping. who were waiting with bated breath for our new segment about our Scrabble words from this book, um, we're skipping it. We forgot this <laughs> week because we for, we all basically forgot. We forgot. Um, yeah. I will say. I will say. Just in, on the question of accessibility, right? This book is written very accessibly. Like Paul said, I I I knew all the words in it, which is maybe a dumb thing to say. <laughs> 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 but That's, outside me of, too. Outside of some of the place names, you know, it's it's a it's accessible. It's written clearly. Um, Fox, that would be mine. I saw fox in the book, and that's a good scrabble word always. Um you you just read a book on refugees, Harry. <laughs> How do you feel about it, Harry? You're a refugee, Harry. Get out of England, <laughs> Harry.
0: He kinda is.
1: Yeah, yeah, he is. He's and then a...
0: he becomes CIA at the end.
1: <laughs> Big time big CIA. He works for McKinsey. You're a squib end. Harry. Harry Potter, yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter works for McKinsey. He becomes a Kingsman. So, y'all know what it is. Well, we only got two. Basically two, yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe maybe Sade's father. Yeah, yeah. Uh So, Sade wait, father? what what segment are we in here, Paul? What are we doing?
2: We're doing uh we just did read another book where we rate the characters in the book into Harry Potter houses, which is Ravenclaw, Slytherin, uh, Hogwarts, or Ravenclaw. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think safe to say Hogwarts all around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Except if Hogwarts. You're a squib. Unless you're a Squib, which is a valid category. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so well, think, let's talk about Sade's father here a little bit.
0: Uh, lawful good.
1: Which is, uh, what, Hufflepuff? Gryffindor.
0: Man. I think he's a Hufflepuff.
1: Okay, why? He can't leave his dead wife and his country to go through the door? Well, there's the Lord. Well, that <laughs> Gryffindor, <laughs> yeah, dude? He knows he's gonna die.
0: No, I think his wife was probably Gryffindor. Mm. He was kind of—I don't know. She's just a good, solid, dependable man who yeah. likes his community and loves his wife and his his son. He does. He—he's—he's he's good, Hufflepuff, because he's, you know, if you love something, let it go, and uh, he let Sade go. If you love something, let it go. Door.
1: But he couldn't let his wife go.
0: Right. Something. Yeah, but how could yeah. you?
1: Because she's dead. She's a ghost. Yeah, but
2: like you're old. That no, was like your whole life. Yeah, I
1: hear. I hear. So you. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm going Hufflepuff, man.
1: All
0: right. I think.
2: I'm gonna go Ravenclaw or uh, uh, Gryffindor. I think it was a brave, st- brave choice to stay that loyal and choose to die. Mm.
1: I yeah. He is kind of
2: down with the ship. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah, I think I'm Gryffindor like a,
2: too. Like, like a yeah, like a ship. Ca- that's a good. That's a good analogy. Like a ship captain. Going down with the ship,
1: but he's also like not Pretty sentimental Gryffindor. about. He encourages Sayed and Nadia to leave. He's very like stoic yeah. about that. He's like, "You guys got to get the fuck out of here." But yeah, I, like you said, I'm going down with the ship.
0: All right, I'm flipping. I'm I'm Gryffindor now too. Trip,
1: trip, trip Sick. Yes. Trip. Ten point three for Gryffindor.
2: of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, we so stupid. It's. What so a, <laughs>
0: The segment is so stupid. I love yeah, it. it is one stupid. of these, one of
1: these days, when we have way too much time on our hands, we're gonna have to go back and figure out how many people we've put in each house.
2: Oh, God, oh good no. lord! Yeah. That's that's reserved for like the fans of the show.
1: That, no, that's good. that's like hundred dollar a month Patreon only. Or cool. if some
0: weirdo wants to just do it.
1: Yeah, we if, once we have enough money to hire a YouTube editor or something for clips.
0: Uh, we don't have to hire anybody. If just we need all, you, all it takes is one obsessed person.
1: Come on, you, we know you're out there, and we know you're listening. You're the right person. because
0: yeah, you're obsessed, yeah, and you'll do it, and you, and you will do it, and you love it, and you will do it. All right, let's talk uh, about
1: <laughs> Sade. I think he's a
0: Hufflepuff. Yeah, I think he's Huff like maybe light. that. There yeah, you're... he's he's the Huff.
2: Yeah, I think he's like very loyal to his family that dynamics and his religion um, and he can't let it go. And, that, and like, I think he like structures his whole identity on that. Um, yeah. And I feel like he's actually like, he rarely seems to be brave ever. So it takes away from my mm. potential thought that it'd be Gryffindor. Um, so I think he's like a pretty strong Hufflepuff for me
0: yeah I think part of that is like uh him needing that structure because like a lot of people he he isn't naturally as quite as like loyal and good as he 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 wants to be in his like idealized form mm-hmm. but that being said it's still i think he's still a, a puff as well
1: yeah i'm 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 right there with y'all it's i, th- I have a hard time thinking of any argument other than puff <laughs> 10 points for a buff. 10 points for a buff. (laughs) Anytime we're all in agreement, that house gets 10 points.
0: Hell yeah. Now, Nadia. New rule. Nadia's Gryffindor to me.
1: Ooh. Yes.
2: Maybe one of the strongest Gryffindors.
0: She's been doing what she's wanted to do despite potentially mortal danger, even within her own country, by leaving her family and just kind of doing whatever she wants, riding a motorcycle. I is mean, that never
2: even talked about how she like chose to ro- wear robes even though she didn't
0: like have to, which I thought no, was like really that, a really interesting characterization. Yeah, she's being tricky. She's bi by the end of it. Yep. it's. I yeah. mean, come on.
1: But it, okay, so from a from just to play devil's advocate here, uh-huh. from a from like a trad perspective, is she the Slytherin embodiment? Of like Western decadence, just do whatever you want all the time. And just follow your base <laughs> impulses. Uh,
0: goodness, it's a good question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just kind of, I don't know. Just kind of uh, out, out. I, I wouldn't say she's out for herself in like a sort of conniving way or anything. But I do think, like you said, she's kind of like, you know, unencumbered and kind of, you know, I'm going I'm to do me.
0: I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I think it is interesting in that sense by because uh, of how she's written to, to it felt to me to just uh, sit within the context of like modern, like Western countries easier. Right,
1: right. by
0: By not having any sort of like affiliation culturally and being being kind of a rootless cosmopolitan at heart like comet himself <laughs> <laughs> so shit I don't know uh, I'm going to say shitty Gryffindor then
1: or, or is she a Ravenclaw searching for new experiences and uh, understandings
2: no she, I mean if she was a Ravenclaw she would have went to she would be more invested in some tor- type of artistic or scientific
0: medium
1: She met, they met at school
0: yeah, but she didn't For like branding. That. <laughs> it's like going to business school and being like, wow. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> a is, yeah. Yeah, I'm a Ravenclaw you now. I'm a a, right, okay, yeah, Ravenclaw can't be sapiosexual. I
1: don't I don't feel strongly about that. I was just throwing it out there. I do feel like the Slytherin I do feel like the in question is real though.
0: It looms large and I am conflicted, yeah. but I'm gonna say like a a, a sort of sour Griffin part. <laughs> yeah. I think that she has
2: enough <laughs> moments of like being extremely brave. And I think bravery is such a high uh, attribute in the in the Gryffindor house, according to the Sorting Hat.
1: But isn't isn't Um, in the context of Gryffindor, isn't it like bravery for the sake of others, though? Like, it's not like it's not like, "Oh, oh, it's not like, you know, it's like it like like James Dean was brave, arguably just like just drunk driving super fast down the road. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like I wouldn't call I wouldn't call that Gryffindor.
2: <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, is. <laughs> Draco Malfoy was a little fucking wimp, and he was a Slytherin and yeah. never showed bravery towards any anyone, not even himself.
0: But Snape was brave,
1: and a Slytherin,
2: and a Slytherin, so. Yeah, but he also like. But that had was also a check, check for the sake of checkmate. Marrying. He also had a very different view of love.
0: It's true. I'm sorry that you, you, take the L, checkmate. Me Snape. Yeah. <laughs> no way, dude. Yeah,
1: Paul, you might have to take the L. You might no, have to take the L.
2: How? I don't. I missed it. If it, there was a point that was made.
0: Snape. Uh,
1: uh, <laughs>
0: Snape. Snape was your point. Okay. I mean, Snape uh, like, James loved James one Dean, person. Dude. James, James, James Dean was d- my point. Drunk driving and Snape. <laughs> Disagree.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm going. I'm going with like chill. Cool Slytherin.
2: Mm. I'm going with a uh, brave uh, yeah, person um, followed her own ideals, but not in a Slytherin way. I mean, she doesn't have any ties to her family. she fucking, that's a big Slytherin attribute that Gabe has reiterated many times about, on this I know. I know. segment. She's so. not uh, ambitious. I know. She's not ambitious, she's just fucking brave.
1: I know. I, I, it's it's this is a and complicated gay. one. Bye. She's bye.
0: Bye. And she's saying bye to Sad. That's big fat. And she's kissing the cook. She said bye-bye to say bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye Sad. and sad. then
0: <laughs> Sad, you're so sad. Sad. <laughs> God, that's dumb too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think she's just probably like a a, a bit of a bad uh, Gryffindor. Like All kind right. of a Gryffindor with bad some bad tendencies there. All, right. All right, five points for Gryffindor,
2: not ten. <laughs>
1: no, no, it has to be unanimous. S-
2: seems like no. five at least.
1: <laughs> yeah. It would be like 6.66 at best. Yeah, oh, that's, that's even true. better
0: than five, so fine, sick. That's fine. It's satanic.
1: 3.33 for Slytherin. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine. We
0: all I'm get what we I'm want.
1: I'm not mad. I'm not mad. <laughs>
0: i you not just, mad. You just gave us more points, but I'm, all right. Dude,
1: I'm calmer <laughs> than you are. I'm calmer <laughs> than you are.
0: <laughs> he gave us the mark of the beast.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, let's 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 uh, rack him up. Let's rack him up and score this bad boy. Dib's not first. That's mad. <sighs> um, all right. Uh, yeah. I automatically I mean, get to go last for those of you who don't know, because the person that picked the book goes last.
0: Yes, we've decided, we decided this pretty organically right at the beginnings for some reason. Uh, yeah, I don't like. I feel like we've all been pretty clearly. I don't know. I, I, like in the in the in the, I was definitely feeling a kind of. It's a pleasant read. I was a little bit disappointed. Uh, and didn't think that like the, the, all the elements hung together very well, uh, ultimately for the sake of it, for my taste. Um, and so it just lands fairly square in the sort of like pleasantly meh line of scoring. So I'm going to give it like a, what would that fucking be? I'm going to give it like a, a, a 3.1 or something like that. I think 3.1. Yeah.
1: That.
0: Nice. Yeah, I mean, I,
2: I, uh, I love the writing. Really, it, it was just like, yeah. it was fantastic. The, uh, the relationship elements to me were just like so on the nose and beautiful that those two elements alone, like, they, they, they increase the points, but like almost everything else in terms of the structure of the narrative doesn't fall apart but it it's like there's there's something that's like there's a lot of friction between it mm-hmm. um i think my initial thought was like 3.6 before we started the discussion i think i'm going to i'm going to stay around there i'm going to say
0: 3.4
1: nice nice Yeah. I I think, yeah, we've, you've, you've both expressed a lot of my, my feelings about it too. You know, I, I, I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised with how the book kind of won me over in some ways based on where I was coming into it from mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And just kind of what I was expecting. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think as you've both said, I think the, 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 the kind of core story of Seid and Nadia is really excellent and there's like beautiful moments and we all can fucking feel it in deep ways in this room and probably everyone everyone can um
2: except that you're a an incel I'm an incel no except if you are oh yeah if you're I mean, an incel then you can't yeah, you feel can't it can't feel it cause you've fucking never felt loser. love
1: or the touch of another <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and uh no, shout out to our incel audience if you're out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you in a lot um, of ways, so.
1: Wink, wink. But uh Winkies.
2: Winkies for you.
1: But, yeah, no, I, I mean, as we've all said, a lot of the stuff didn't cl- – some of the stuff didn't click. Didn't love the Doors. I'm obsessed with the Doors, and I'm worried about the Doors in various ways. I'm obsessed um, with I'm glad that you're not talking them. about
2: – I'm glad you're not talking about the actual band, the Doors.
1: Definitely not obsessed with them. The doors They're are the fucking overrated. worst.
2: I hate Big the doors. Big time
1: overrated. So uh, honestly, Matt, you hit it directly on the head for me. It's like a three point one. It's straight okay. on. Yeah, straight uh, on till morning, dude. Like, yeah. I think it's. I think it's good, and I think um, you know, give it a read, and uh, yeah.
2: So you guys you guys are together on this and now on the outside?
1: You're dude, you we've we've had way more divergent scores before. This is within point three points.
0: Paul's on the outside. He's looking at <laughs> <laughs> <not>. He can <laughs> see clearly. No, you're not, dude. You're not that far out.
2: We're all kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think I boosted it up a little bit because of the uh I, I really did think the writing was great and I, uh, The love it's, story This is a Paul book hit hit me This is a, right this is in a, the a heart. classic Paul book Yeah but it's not great for me either It's right. not like I gave it a 4.4 4. I know You know
1: No you did the right thing <laughs> I did the right thing You did the objectively yeah. correct thing Yeah
2: I did, the, I did the objectively correct thing And gave Altered States a 0. .5 too Because that book sucked <laughs> balls <laughs> Fuck that book
1: matt i don't clearly. care you're not paul's gonna hurt my feelings paul's man i don't like care not, paul's not mad at me. <laughs> paul has not lost any sleep over it
0: <laughs> i don't well, care i'll keep i'll keep hitting you with you i can't wait for how much you're not next gonna week like next, next week part. is gonna be epic <laughs> i'm torturing paul through the by proxy with this podcast tune, tune in
1: definitely tune in next week for some potential yep. paul fireworks and a very special guest Mm, yeah, indeed. so it,
2: it'll be a special guest, Gabe and Matt, and you'll have a great time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and some and Paul Rage. Some Paul Rage. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just more mic like peeking
1: than you've ever heard. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you won't like me when I'm angry.
1: I love you when you're angry, baby. Yeah, you yeah. do.
2: That's <laughs> you're probably my favorite, your favorite form of me.
0: You get a healthy flush to you.
1: Yes. Well. Thanks for Another listening. Another one everybody. down. Another one in the bucket. We are uh, closing in on uh, 52 episodes, which is going to be a year. This is number 41. Or no, this is 42. Jeez. 42. Yeah, we're 10 episodes off of a of 52 episodes, which is a year. We should Damn. have
2: read that British book about sci-fi elements. <laughs> uh, what?
1: Put it on the list.
2: No, where no, oh, they talk about number 42 being the most perfect number. What is oh, that? Is the, the Douglas Adams. Hitchhiker's Guide Douglas to the Galaxy. We should have read that book for this one.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, dude, that would have
0: been... Yeah, that would have yeah. been... Because of the... Cause it would it have been the same, so that would have number. been good. Yeah, It would have been the same number in the book, so...
1: So All I'm right, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. Go to our Patreon
1: Hi. and YouTube, and Twitter and Instagram.
0: Please patron yeah. us.
1: Do it, and you can join it's our Discord, just... which is sick. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's really cool. We should probably open that up to non-patrons.
1: I don't know. We'll
0: wait. Okay. We're gonna get the let the hogs in. We're gonna in. give it a minute. We're gonna give it. A yeah, minute. let it simmer.
1: Yeah. All right, y'all. We love you.
0: Mwah.